I, I don't know what happened exactly, but I've become one of those like very stereotypical millennials where I just started buying vinyl recently. Like not not like a ridiculous amount, but there's that point where I'm just kind of like, no, vinyl's cool, but it's like so like I, I don't know like like my wife's mom he gave us her old record player and her old record collection. We started playing mm-hmm. and just putting them on, and then like my wife surprised me by getting me Exile on Main Street and like a, a new version of it, a new pr- printing of it. And I don't know, ever since then, I've slowly been like, well, oh, look, duh, uh, by the way, by the Chili Peppers. And the, oh, 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 they have run the jewels here for a reasonable price. And, oh, then I'm seeing, you know, like, oh, shit, I'm, I'm that guy. I have become the millennial in his mid-30s buying vinyl. Well, you know what's the funny thing is I feel like I was into vinyl before it was popular to be into it again because when I was like, I don't know, between ages maybe like 10 to high school or so, like I used to collect a lot of stuff there, and then I because people would just that was the point where people just they didn't want it anymore, so they just give it away. It didn't it didn't it didn't have the worth that it has now. It was at the point where like an Elton John record, eh, nickel, you know what I mean? Like n- nothing had value yet, except for you know there's always the few ones, and so I like I amassed like you know probably 500 records or something at one point of all kinds of stuff along with eight tracks and everything like that and then i just kind of got to the point where it's like you know let's be honest you ever going to really listen to it i have a player and all that kind of stuff so i mean i only have a few records left i ironically just bought one just recently i was down in santa cruz and there was this old dude selling records on the street and uh it was me laura and buddy were down there for a y&t concert you know and um we walk on by and it's like it's like oh dude check it out there's like we saw a motley crew record sitting there and i was like oh okay cool and then buddy found a y and t one that he was missing and you know they're like 10 bucks each he's like well hell yeah well we'll take that they're in nice condition and so on and it was like that's like the first record i've bought in a long while well it's weird because it's one of those things where like i never really you know um you used to buy a lot of cds and then spotify came along and like well i can listen to whatever i want whenever i want most of the time depending on rights or if you're neil young you know yeah <laughs> either either joe Jurgen goes or neil young goes like well <laughs> we, we all know what the fans really want well neil uh you know the neil young experience podcast come on guys come on over to my place come on like it's like you stand there like looking at everybody come on guys. he's like marching off nobody's following there's come like on. just a cut like they're like three old men in walkers and like a like a rascal scooter behind them, you know. And then one hipster with some vinyl under his arm, you know. Yeah, um, we're gonna go do the Bridge School Benefit concert. Come on, come on. <laughs> come on. No one showed. No one came. No, but like, uh, no. I, I'll even say this: I like Neil Young, and I'm I'm not really the biggest Joe Rogan fan anymore. But at the same time, I I'm still like, love oh, Joe dude. Rogan, but. I, I don't know. I just well, the, the other topic for another time. I'm just like, yeah, but like, um. At the same time, it's also like, read the room, dude. Read the room. <laughs> How'd you think this was going to go? He probably doesn't give He's probably, he's like, he's like two years from death. So he probably doesn't give a shit. Not really two years from death. He's old as fuck, though. But anyway. um, He thought he but, had that Buffalo Springfield power still. Yeah. But at the same time, though, there's one of those things where, like, um, I don't know. I just slowly just like, oh, one more, one more. Like, oh, what's this? Well, what, what do I have? Where'd these, where'd all these come from? You know, like, you know what it is, though, is, is we're, we're those people that we always just have to have something to collect. Yeah. And it might Scratch change over time. You know, sometimes, you know, I'm in the collecting mm-hmm. video games. Sometimes I'm in the collecting action figures, comics, movies, of course. And, you know, it goes back and forth. But I think that's what it is. It, it's, it's that thing. It's like I started collecting laser discs again. Mm-hmm. 
um, just for no real reason. I was just like, you know what? I need to finish off. I should finish off my Arnold Schwarzenegger collection on Laserdisc. And I went out and did that and got every single one of them that I needed. Except for actually I'm missing Hercules New York. That's the only one. It's like 70 bucks. I was like, ugh, just don't want to. You know, every once in a while, I, there's some guy that's like, can I get it for like under 50 maybe? I'll pay 35 or something like that. But just to complete the collection. And I don't know why. That one's expensive on VHS too. It's like five bucks on DVD. But everything else, that one's super expensive on you know, yeah, but like, I feel like, I just I always need something to collect. Movie. It's probably such a niche movie, though, because Hercules goes to New York. It's like it's also because the only people that really want it are like hardcore Arnold fans and then yeah. hardcore Arnold fans that like laser discs. And then on top of that, it's like like because it's it, like I never seen it, but I mean, I'm sure I'm sure you could t- say it's it's good graces. But I know a lot of people hate that movie. So the, it's, it's weird. Fun. The more someone hates the <laughs> It's fun. It's fun. It's fun. It's one of those movies. It's like, I, I like it personally. I've, I've never disliked it. I mean, it's not Arnold's best, but it's that one where I remember like, they're like, you can't even understand him. And I remember when the DVD version came out because they dubbed him in the original one, just like they dubbed Mel Gibson and Mad Max. But um, in the DVD, they had, you know, the Arnold's original audio track on there still. And it's like, he speaks the same way he always has. Like, what do you mean you can't understand him? It's just, I feel like in the sixties and seventies, people just couldn't understand accents. Like, Someone was speaking British or Australian or Austrian with an accent. They just like people like, I can't understand it, you know, or Rocky. They're like, I, I don't know what he's saying. What, what, what's he, he's just speaking gibberish. He's, he's speaking English. I like how that was like a department like Rocky is. I think Rocky may have got him the Oscar or at least the nomination back when yeah. it came out. That that or First Blood. I don't, I don't remember which one. No, it's Rocky. But, uh, it was Rocky. So yeah. the idea that like. Like, you know, just hey, turtle, 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 hey, doing that. And then like years later, be like, oh, he's doing this shit still. <laughs> you know? it's like, just, hey, it worked, in, worked in the fucking 70s. Yeah. Yeah, it's one of those ones. But I think that's it. It's a collecting thing. You, you got to have something to collect. I feel like I always need something that I can like at least once in a blue moon search on eBay and go, okay, what, what am I missing out of my collection here? You know, and I like to collect things that don't cost like an arm and a leg. Like I stopped collecting, you know, there's some stuff where it's like, you know, once it gets expensive, I don't like doing it. That's why I started doing like, you know, a while back I did. I'm going to collect all the 007 video games because you could pick them all up generally for, you know, five to 20 bucks, you know, getting the complete in the box with everything and so on. And I have everything. I, I even started buying the doubles. So like I have like the games where I have the Xbox, the PS2 and the GameCube version of them just because why not? I was collecting. The only thing I'm sort of missing is the, there's really old 007 ones where I have a couple of them for like the Commodore and things like that. But there's like an Atari one on the 2600. But to have Atari. it in the box, it's like 300 bucks. It's Jesus. Like, uh... I'm just imagining Atari 00 just super like <laughs> just like just like red pixels, old jagged, just kind of go down after like the bullet. <laughs> I think that's oh, that's they're doing. OK, it would probably take a minute to process. Like, oh, it's the, it's the bullet hole thing. OK, gotcha. Yeah, it's, um, it's those weird things on Atari games where they sell them. It's like if you didn't see like the cover on the box, you'd have no idea that that's what you're playing. It's like you really got to piece it together. Like, oh, OK, I guess I can kind of see it that way. Yeah, Atari is just like, hey, you fill in the blanks, you know, yeah. but um, imagination, no. kids. I mean, uh, we'll get to the main topic in a second here, but um, I guess it's also just one of those things like we're vinyl. Um, like, I'm not by no means like a huge vinyl aficionado. I can honestly see myself being this being a phase. You know, I can honestly see it me moving on to something else in a year or two. But because I also have my limits, because I was looking at like just like, you know, I was like, okay, like uh, run the jewels. Like, oh my god, the cheapest one is like 
23 bucks. Well, I guess I'm getting Run the Jewels 3, even though I really want to get 4. But, you know, because that one's like 40 or something. And then I looked over, like, okay, like, uh, Tribe Called Quest. Like, oh, my God, this is all, like, 50. Like, you know, 50 bucks or whatever. Then I was like, Rolling Stones. Like, okay, a lot of this is kind of expensive. But Black and Blue, 22 bucks. I, I, I can swing that. All right, you know. So it's kind of, it, it kind of comes in waves, really, you know. Gosh, and it's like such a bummer because, like, in the two thousands, you you could go collect all those Rolling Stones albums and albums, and you probably wouldn't pay more than a dollar a piece. <laughs> I know, I know. I jumped on this too late. I should have. I'm just a fucking sheep. That's all it is. <laughs> I'm a sheep. Someone, we got this thing. We just started putting it on every every so often. We thought, hey, it'd be fun to get this album. It'd be fun to get that album. And now here we are. And now yeah, collecting. Like a fucking sheep. I'm just collecting it because you know all the cool kids are doing it. So. But yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Just something easy, just about putting it on in the background while you're doing something, as opposed to yeah, I don't know. And it, it, it's, well, it's, it's kind of nice. Not it's not more convenient, but there's something nice about it. I don't know what it is. Well, it's that thing that this goes with any kind of physical media. I do like the uh, the idea of having the case, having like the information. You put the you know you put the unit in. The experience of that's much better than like a digital one. Of course, digital one's simple, easy, effective, but. You know, it's like it's why I still watch VHSs on a CRT TV. It's just like I, I like the experience. You mm-hmm. know, why I still like, you know, I'll, I'll choose, you know, you, you could have like the biggest screen in the world, but like I'll choose like, hey, I'll take that 22-inch one over there. You know what I mean? It'll have a more natural feel to it, you know? Yeah. And you know, it's even like VHS is like I still collect VHSs. And I, and once again, I'm kind of specific. I, I don't I try not to go like I'm not just getting everything. I get kind of like ones that have cool covers, you know, of course, like the Arnold Schwarzenegger collection. I got that, you know, I'll find some kind of variant ones and just kind of like the, like the real big movies that are kind of nice to have or ones that are sort of nostalgic. Like, Oh man, I used to watch this all the time on VHS. So you might not, it's not like it's worth anything to like, you know, it's not like I'm going out trying to get like, Oh, here's like a, a $50 VHS or something like that. Like it doesn't matter if it's like, if whatever I paid 10 cents, 50 cents for it, you know, but it's cool to me that I, I, I like kind of collecting for myself, I guess you would say, instead of collecting for necessarily value. I don't, I don't know. Uh, well, it's not even, yeah, it's just more same thing here. Cause I'm not buying every single album my own. I'm just one ones I like and ones that are relatively inexpensive you know and i, I really have to yeah. like an album it can't be that one of those albums where i kind of like this album there's three songs i really like but it's not their best album like i'm no no fuck that i'm not paying 30 bucks for that it's, it's got to be like an album i love you know so mm-hmm. or really cheap <laughs> one, of the, one of those two things so it's got to yeah. be either way by the chili peppers it's got to be black and blue by the rolling stones it's got to be you know like um Harvest by Neil Young, something kind of like that, you know. So Neil's like, see, see, I told you I got fans. I got I got them all over the place. You know what I mean? You guys just start looking in the right place. Come on, guys, come on. Starts marching again. <laughs> you, you, you got the Neil Young album in your head. And he's like, yeah, I, I do, but I don't know if I want to walk over there. Check it I don't want to hang out with Neil Young. I read his I he's he's fucking borderline bipolar he's all over the place i'm not, I'm not saying by I, I have a bipolar friend i'm not saying bipolar people suck but i'm just saying he, he, the half of that book or majority of that book is old man rambling so like, here's how i feel about this today like oh that's we were just reading what your childhood and now we're jumping into like why you like model trains for like five pages that's awesome you know like and if you don't like, like, the, I like the, if you haven't laid naked in an x pattern as a train circles around you you haven't experienced life yet yeah it's at some point he he, he <laughs> takes like a he takes like three pages to talk about like you know what i uh 
some my my editors tell me I should probably focus more on this book, focus more on the structure of this book. But if you don't like it, then you just hand it off to someone else. Like, well, fuck you. I already paid you twenty four bucks for it. So why the fuck am I just gonna hand this thing off? You don't like it, just give it away. Easy for you to say, motherfucker. You already got paid. Among your fucking mountain of whatever. Yeah, fuck. What do you need? Another flannel? Another fucking goofy hat? More scarves? <laughs> Shit. Oh, I need another fucking train, Ryan. That's what I fucking need. Needs a fucking train. Yeah. You know, you know, trains were my drug of choice. <laughs> like down by the river, it wasn't about heroin. It was about trains, model trains. Yeah. Just saying. So you know. I was down by the river, just beaten up as the train passed by. <laughs> <laughs> so you, know, top 10 you, should, you should have saw the, <laughs> the facial expressions of the passengers going by. Like, is that fucking Neil Young? That's guy from Buffalo Springfield. What the fuck's he doing? <laughs> you must be high on something. Yeah, high on trains. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Top ten. Neil Young's top ten movies of 2023. He's like, ah, oh, hold on a second, guys. His face just shoves in here. He's like, I got, you know, here you you can be part of my network now. Fuck Spotify. Let me show you. <laughs> come on, guys. Come on. Oh, here he again. Be part of Neilify. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, we're we're doing our top ten today. Our top, top ten, 10 movies, movies of two thousand twenty-three. The the special episode that has been at the end of every Old Man Orange year. I think literally since the beginning. I don't think there was ever a time we never did this. I think that we've had variations. Like maybe there was a year where we just talked about where we combined our list. Like, well, this if this was a number one, if this is a number one for me and number four for you. That probably puts it around number like three, you know, something number two, kind of like up like that. Or well, well, like, well, that theory was this, this was was the keep it from uh, other experience we have where we had like a top fifteen and the episode was like three and a half hours long. You yeah. know, so you know, it, there are all ways to try to figure out like what's the best course of action on this. Yeah, definitely. And then there's other ones where we have, or we didn't really have a, we like, we were trying to go like hippie and loosey goosey with like, hey man, why have a top 10? Why don't we just talk the movies we like, man? And then they're like, no, fuck that. I like the, I like the listicle thing. So yeah, or, um, or bringing on somebody because everybody always wants to come on with it. It's like, it's just like, it makes it too long. There's just, there's not enough time. The, it's almost like if you have a third person, you have to do like a top five. That's like the only practical way to probably go about it. Well, um, yeah, I, I, I can enjoy that. I was actually listening. I didn't finish it, but um, I, I, I'm, I plan on finishing it. I was listening to um, Marley's podcast, Real Lovers, mm-hmm. and um, he they had like a three person sit down on their top on their top ten of the year, and that was like three hours. And I, I that was what I was coming back to. It wasn't one straight, but I was enjoying the conversation. So that can be nice, but sometimes yeah. a three hour podcast can take a lot out of you when you're recording yeah. it. But before we you actually, know- oh, go ahead. Oh, I was just saying, it's like it's like listening to three-hour podcasts are never a big deal. I actually personally like the longer podcasts. I kind of hate when when you see people. It's like they're only doing like fifty-minute podcasts. Sometimes it's like it's like it's like that's just not enough. It's like I feel like you get ramped up and then it just ends, and you're like, oh, and we're done. And then yeah. you got, and then you got to pull over and find another podcast. Now you're like, God damn it, I just found one. It's not covering my whole entire day. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, um, this one I'm guessing is probably around two hours. These usually go for some time. But um, 
I'm going to just, before we start it, I just want to say the podcast, the, 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 the movies that I did not have a chance to see that I wanted to see. So just to clarify, if you're wondering, why wasn't this on the list for people who are big cinephiles? I didn't see it, and maybe it wouldn't have made my list anyway. But anyway, let me just name off a couple of movies. I have just as many movies on my list that I did not see that I wanted to see, or that I did uh. did see, but I, I'm, I still like my list. Um, American Fiction, Bo is Afraid, The Boy and the Heroine, The Killer, oh, yeah. Triangle of Sadness, The Royal Hotel, Talk to Me, Iron Claw, Dream Scenario, Poor Things. Those are the movies I really wanted to see, but also because of the, um, I think, distribution rights and where I'm at. Not all those movies are even, some of those movies won't be here until February. So, Yeah, well, that's like the, the boy, the heron, the, like that one. I really wanted to see that. God, even when I was in Santa Cruz, it was tempting me there. It was at the theater playing still because they didn't, it's not playing anywhere locally, of course, and there's no other real way to get it. And then I was like, damn it, I should go, I should go there. And, you know, and when I was in Los Angeles too, it was down there and I was like, hmm, 11 o'clock showing, who can I convince to drive me to the movie theater? You know, um, to go see a two and a half hour long movie by the time it's all probably said and done. But, um, that's, that's probably the biggest one I'd say out of that entire list that you kind of named off that I was like, man, I bet you a hundred bucks. That one would have been, you know, somewhere decently high, you know, on there. But, um. Yeah, for the most part, I think as far as the movies I was able to kind of get, I'm pretty satisfied in a sense. It's kind of one of those weird years where I feel like it's like nothing's very feels very definitive. Like everything could almost like be shuffled around and be like, eh, I guess it works that way, too. It's not like there's some years where like there'll be a movie. Where it's like you see you're like, shit, that's number one. And nothing ever touches it ever, t- you know, till then. You know, what I mean, that movie stays high. It's powerful and all that kind of stuff. This was one of those years where it's like there was a bunch of good movies. You know, and uh, yeah, of course, and a few like you know, some re- there was really good stuff too. But like, it was one of those years where it didn't have that like as hard like definitive like that movie's gonna take this place and nothing's gonna change that probably ever, and it never does. This is one of those ones where like things could be shuffled all the time. Yeah, it's also something to the effect of like, um, I'll be honest, I think that if I did see a couple of the movies on my did not do not did, did miss list they yeah. probably would have bumped something off because I've heard nothing but good things about a couple of these movies. And some of those movies just look really interesting to me. Um, there's other movies that I think that like, I hear that are on everybody's list where I saw them. Like, no, that was really good. It just, it, it could, it could almost be my list. It could be number 11 or 12 almost, but like, I mean, near nearly everybody, I hear someone mention Barbie and Oppenheimer. And I, I, I saw both those movies and I like both those movies, but I could tell you they're not on my list. They're probably, if they yeah. were, they, they, they'd probably be like, you know, like, 10, 11, 12, something like that. Like good movies that I enjoyed, but they didn't really blow me away. But I think, I think because they're both like hyped up so much by the time I saw them, I'm like, no, they, they're good. And Barbie was funny and was smart and Oppenheimer was really well made. But at the same time, I'm like, I don't know. I just, it, it just didn't wow me like it wowed other people. Maybe if I went into it blind, then maybe I would have felt that way. Yeah, that, that's, how, that's how I sort of felt too. Like I, I enjoyed it, but it was like, I I knew even from when I was done watching, I'm like, eh, it's kind of a one and done movie. I hate to sort of say it, but I, I like, you know, and for me, the biggest thing always is the fun factor. The fun factor, I think, outweighs so much other stuff, like, you know, but, um, but yeah, I guess let's start getting into it. Ryan, you want to go first? Sure, I'll go first. Um, my number 10 is a, a horror film called No One Will Save You. Um, no one. Yeah, so this one I talked about it briefly on the podcast earlier in the like earlier last year or later last year, where it was about just basically it's a horror film 
about like a girl who is being, she lives alone. She's kind of more out in a rural town and she's being attacked. It's a home alien. It's a home invasion movie with aliens. Uh-huh. But at the same time, it sounds like, okay, so like signs. Well, at a first glance, it kind of seems that way. But as the movie goes on, there's more to it. First off, you don't realize it till like maybe you're 10 or 15 minutes in, but it's almost a silent picture. Like no one's really talking to each other. And you just think that like, Oh, they just no one's had a chance to talk yet. And as the movie goes on, it, that's kind of what it is. It's more of like we've moved on before someone had a chance to speak. But it's basically a silent picture. And then after the first 10 or 20 minutes, you know, of the movie, she um, she survives the first night of the alien invasion. And then she goes into town. And then there's kind of more to it. Like it's kind of stacks up. Like it's never just like the same thing. The movie stacks and gets more interesting like well how is you kind of wonder how is she going to be able to get out of this because you're like i don't really see a way out but she keeps on fighting these things off and the, the, the one thing about it is the aliens they have kind of like a standard gray man with big eyes design but there's some like some of them just have these weird movements or there's variations like there's ones that are like look very standard but then like to sneak around it's kind of funny but at the same time it's kind of creepy so there's one that kind of like sneaks around but it gets on its tippy toes and it just has like these like suction cup feet like just kind of like crawl so it's just kind of like like that so just to like sneak up on her but she's kind of aware of it mm-hmm. or it's like there's also other moments where like an alien is kind of attacking her that just stops midpoint it just kind of like goes brain dead and kind of looking around and just doing like weird like sign language and hand language and you're just kind of like is it trying to say something? And it just kind of goes in the taxer. So it's like stuff that's not even really explained, but it kind of mm-hmm. like, you know, there's something more there. And I really like that. Oh, the other thing to point out is another reason is um, the big deal is she's alone is she's ostracized from the town. There's a reason we don't know why the town hates her. It's later revealed as the movie goes on why the town hates her. But mm-hmm. it's a, I just found it to be a really good horror film. You know, I really enjoyed it. Um, I always have an appreciation for these kind of monster horror films when there's like the jump scares are limited and they don't really have an annoying shrill. If there's a jump scare in it, it feels very earned. It doesn't feel like the, you know, you know, just for the sake, you know, it's really annoying, really lazy. Yeah, no, I, I'm kind of, it's like, it's like anything that it's like a Blumhouse movie. It's like one of those ones. I feel like those things are always filled with the, they're like it's almost like they're they're like horror movies by the number. I'm not saying there probably can't be good ones in between here and there, but like, like they all feel, yeah, like, yeah, like get out. That's a perfect example. Like that, that's like that's like the rarity one that's like that. But I feel like a lot of the ones that they make, they all kind of, you know, they just have, the, yeah, it's like horror by the numbers. They're going to use the jump scares. They're going to use the shriek sounds. And it's not that you, you you know everybody's entitled to like a good jump scare, but when you use them too much, it just becomes stupid, and it just becomes more it becomes more annoying. It's not scary. It's just annoying. You know, um, that's why it's like this was like last year, but there was that movie X or whatever. Like that thing was like it was sh- literally shot. I mean, it's, it takes place in the 70s, but it, like it was made with like the same style of a 70s horror movie. And it's like I wish more people were doing stuff like that. And that one's not a jump scare machine. No, dude, that thing was so good. I heard that a lot of good was, things about that one. It's yeah, a little like, porno, right? Yeah, they're doing that. And it's got like it's almost like it's got like a Texas Chainsaw Massacre kind of like, you know, texas you know the south the 70s you know um you go go into like some creepy old guy's house but they they, they the thing is that they, they do it and they do it in like a nice twisting way where like you know what you would normally think would happen it kind of goes oh there's something different going on here and it interconnects back and forth real well it's got some really creative shots i know i'm talking about a movie from 2022 or whatever but um that thing was just like it was like oh dude, this is badass you know i was super impressed with that 
Yeah, I, I heard nothing but good things about that one. So they, even though, like, movies we missed, they're slept on. But yeah, you know. Yeah, well, it's one of those ones. There's always those movies. Like, I'm like, that was one of those movies when I watched it. I was like, oh, shit, this, if I would have saw this, it, it would have been high up. It might have been, mm-hmm. like, top three. I can't remember what my list was last year. There's like, always there's always one of those every year. Like, I'll see a movie, like, a few months after we do this. I'm like, oh, that would have been my number that would have been my number five, maybe even my number two or something like that, you know? Yeah, it was one of those ones that was so good that I found the director and just saved all his other movies. Like, that that was how much I liked it. Because it was a writer-director movie, I'm, you know. I think writer-director-producer. So, like, you, you knew that there was, like, some, some so serious stuff book. going on. But, like, yeah. Um, but, yeah, that one sounds really cool that you were saying about. What was it called again? Um, uh, no, one, um, no One Will Save You. Yeah, No One Will Save You. I like the idea of those kind of alien monsters and some creativity going on there. That, that one sounds like an interesting one. I, I, for some reason, I don't know how I never ran across that. Did that come even come out to the theaters? I don't, it was remember. On, I don't know if it came to theaters. It came to like Disney and Hulu. And um, okay. I want to say, though, know, like through the monsters, like a lot of them look like standard gray aliens, but there's be variations. Like this one has like, this one's small and has like praying mantis claws. This one is kind of like larger and kind of like, but has the head, you know, so variations of them. There's like, three or four of them but but um the monster designs weren't amazing but the way they interact was creepy and cool yeah because i feel like that's that's the toughest part about movies nowadays it sounds like the biggest old man complaint but it's because so many movies just appear randomly at other places and have absolutely no advertising unless you have that program or something like that like it's so easy to miss all kinds of stuff you know because it's not like you know only about a quarter of the movies probably go to theaters it's probably even less than that if you really think about it but um so, yeah, there's a lot of stuff that's like, yeah, if you just don't have the program, like I kind of canceled Hulu back a while ago, so I probably never, never ran across that. So, yeah, well, when you can check it out, it's cool. Yeah. Eventually, if we're, you know, wherever it sounds, be sounds cool. Well, uh, I guess going up the list, I'll go to my number 10. My number 10 is Creed 3. I didn't get yeah. a chance to see Creed 3. God, Creed 3 was great. It was like, it's one of those movies that, like, it was. I mean, all those Creed ones have been pretty amazing. I mean, I probably would think the second one was probably my all-time favorite of them all, but uh, three was definitely up there. I mean, like the one, the only things that I probably would say is just as a Rocky purist, the the only kind of downfall is you're like, there's no Stallone. Even if you just had a cameo, like it's just like one of those ones. It's kind of a bummer not having him in there, you know? Mm-hmm. And um, and it doesn't have like, you know, because I was always kind of waiting for like, oh, maybe they'll have like a Thunder Lips kind of like thing where Hulk Hogan comes and he has like his guy. Like, I wouldn't mind if Creed just became the series where like he just fights everybody's kid. Like if that, that was what that <laughs> shit that was, that'd be whatever. But what made that one such a neat one is that he literally just kind of made Creed as if it was shot like Dragon Ball Z, Vegeta fighting Goku, like using full on scenes out of like without the you know powers and so on, but straight out of Dragon Ball Z. Like that was like his choice for like storyboarding things. And it just made for some really cool fights. The characters in it were really awesome. You know, it just kind of had a whole good like, you know, if you're going to make kind of Creed all on his own and sort of give him like, okay, he doesn't have to have Rocky there like overshadowing him this still worked out pretty darn well. I need to see that now. I, I mean, I, I kind of like, that was one I wanted to see, but it kind of just got by me. But that was like, I, I know you said Creed 2 was your sec, was your was your favorite, but like, I heard people talk about Creed 2, like, oh, it's 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 fun, but it's not Creed 1. And then I heard, but nothing real, but pretty good things about Creed 3. So I need, and hearing that they, they, they said they, they, did you say he just felt like they took inspiration from Dragon Ball, or they actually did take inspiration? No, from he him? literally took like he literally took scenes from Dragon Ball Z and said, "I want to make, turn this into like a boxing and put to like the boxing match." So, like the final scene literally has it has like that one where like Vegeta and Goku both punch each other right in the face and so on at the same time and go down. 
Oh, now I got to see this. I did not know the fact that like that we're using this legacy franchise, you know, Stallone to be like, Dragon, what? You're watching a show with Dragon Balls? What the fuck are you doing with you? Know, like, knowing that now I'm like, I, I got to kind of see that. I kind of just got to know. Yeah, no, it's one of those ones. It's like, dude, it's a, it's a, you know, I mean, it's a boxing movie, so you know, it's like that kind of stuff. But that's like that. I don't know what it is. Like, it's like that thing where like you can never really sometimes have too many. It's like as long as you have good action scenes in them, like that's what matters. Good training scenes, you know. It, it has one of those ones where pretty much he's fighting like some kid that he knew when, or not kid, he's this adult now. But when they were kids, they knew each other, and then one guy went to jail, and of course Creed didn't. So he's coming back out, and he's trying to get him back on his feet, and then of course he decides. Oh, okay, well, you know what? You're doing this boxing thing. Like, fuck, I was a better boxer than you when we were kids, so I'm going to show you up. You know, one of those ones. Be so like, it's fuck like you. He's like, five, I just kind of, kind of, except for that one's more got. He's training. No, he's training. No he's, jail. Trained. he's trained a guy, and then the guy sort of thinks Turns like, ah, oh, you know, I can do it better than you can, Rocky. And the Rocky's like, I'll show you in the street. Come on out here. Okay, so not, not my not kid's a piece of shit, but I'm going to take my punches out on you. <laughs> i got him a fucking robot look at him look how he acts never get your kid a robot I never get your, your brother-in-law a robot either they just end up fucking it <laughs> i don't even want to get near that robot anymore i don't know why i sound like randy dangerfield now <laughs> i never seen six but i might need to see six just so i can see Polly oh. die Six is still good. Six is one of the, I mean, all the, there's no such thing as a bad Rocky movie. I mean, probably as I said, the fifth one's probably my least favorite, but it's still not bad. I like it probably more than most people, but um, no, Creed three, I think was still solid. It's one of those series that um, I'm so glad that's kind of going on. As I said, the only, if there was like one minor complaint, I just wish it had Rocky in there. I, even if he was just a cameo, don't kill him though. <laughs> there's enough death in Rocky. I don't think we need to keep doing that. Yeah. Yeah. If, if Stallone passes, like Rocky's just retired and enjoying life. Yeah, you know, one of those ones. It's it's yeah, he could be like Paul Walker where like he never actually has still died. He's still alive. <laughs> yeah. You know, so, but uh, Creed 3 is mine. What's your neck or what's your nine? My nine is the Super Mario Brothers movie. Nice. And you know, I just uh a lot of, I think some people would be like, why is it so low? I think other people is what's that even doing on the list? For me, I think it's kind of one of those things of like I kind of see like the movie is a little too bare bones, which is probably why it's a little lower. I think that that it's a movie that probably could have like, like some of the needle drops are a little meh. And um, I think it's a movie that probably could have used a little bit more fleshing out and taking time with certain like beats, like, but at the same time, I'm not here to like, just kick the movie in the balls. We're saying reason why it's not higher, but at the same time, I know for a fact, if I saw this move, this is the movie. If technology was at this point, when I, if technology was at this point, when I was first getting into Mario, and I saw this movie, like when Mario around the time, like the other Mario movie came out, this is the other movie we got. This would probably be like one of my favorite movies of all time. It would probably really, Stephen, I would probably still see, see its flaws and not care about it. So I think that like this just really, yeah, is it nostalgia? Yeah, is it the member berries? It is. But I can't help it. If you really enjoy it, it really kind of hits the right nostalgia buttons. And it really just hits the right nostalgia buttons. That's all it is to it. And it's not nothing in the movie was so grossly atrocious or like cringy. Like I thought some people were saying, I thought it was just more of like, I thought it was more of just like really just a very like it was an adequate, adequate script with really gorgeous visuals 
really cool action. And I think that's all Mario really has to be. Hopefully the second script will punch it up to that next level. Yeah. But this one, I, I did enjoy the movie. So, you know. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree there too. It was, you know, overall solid. Cause, and it's funny because it's solid coming from, I don't like Illumination. It's one of those ones I'm not going to be fan. I'm not saying that all their stuff's bad. You know, I, I have seen decent stuff, like anything. Like the Am's Family ones weren't, you know, they, they, they were solid enough. But like, for the most part, it's just like Minions just are, I don't I don't get the, they just are obnoxious to me. They just remind me of all the terrible children that like you see in life, you know. Yeah. And for some reason, they've gathered all together under a mad scientist, which just sounds like a terrible idea. But, um, <laughs> But in a sense, it's like they didn't drop the ball on that Mario Brothers one. They really delivered. It's good the whole way through. Um, I, it's weird that I feel like I haven't seen it since theaters. I don't know know why. It's that one that like I, like I feel like even though the Mario one's probably a better movie, I still like the Sonic the Hedgehog two. Like that one hit me stronger than like maybe because it's just you just Sonic is just one of those ones like you're just you're just happy to see you know the old blue blur actually you know get success again in life. Well, I'll be 100% honest. I think um, Mar. I think Sonic the Hedgehog 2 is a better movie just because there's actually nuance and like okay. there's nuance to it. They don't they don't flat out look into the camera and tell you exactly what's going on. I mean, there's a lot of moments where they do. Yeah. But there's things where they don't like totally hold your hand and there's things where there is more character development and um and subtlety in certain scenes not everything there's some things where they blatantly it's a kids movie we gotta so we gotta yeah. explain it to the to the kids in the audience but there is definitely subtlety within that movie and some parts are actually do try uh, genuinely try to pull your t- heartstrings mario has just like they have a little bit of that but they don't have much of it like and like there's like a moment where you could have had like a real genuine bonding moment between mario and donkey kong where he's like my dad thinks i'm a fuck up yeah, my dad thinks I'm a fuck up. Well, your dad is right. Like that could have been actual a moment right there. They could have led into another fight, but there's like they just you know, so there's just kind of small things kind of like that that I think the Sonic movie kind of runs with and Mario movie just like we tapped it. Okay, moving on, you know. Yeah. Which I enjoy the movie. I like it, but it's and you know, that's the reason why it's at number 9 though and not higher it's 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 purely my love of the franchise i think and how zap out to the point and how fast-paced it is and the how the how the action's good so yeah yeah and i think that's truly what it is it's one of those ones it's it's the kind of movie that unless you like mario um yeah that that's who it's made for it's it's like it's solid for that it delivers on all fronts it doesn't try to change things too much a little bit but not too ridiculous and um yeah it's got it's got a lot of good stuff in there where I know people who don't give a shit about Sonic, who walked out of Sonic 2 saying, that's pretty fun, you know, where mm-hmm. I, I think you got to like Mario to do that. I think you got to like Mario to get in that door where Sonic 2 and not saying it's going to make anybody run out like, I got to get, I got to get everything. Sonic like, fucking hat on, just starts running down the street, this like 80 year old man be like, oh, I was like, what have I been missing out on this whole my whole life? <laughs> Doing bumps of cocaine on his way there, you know, like, follow me, set me free, you know, just running down the city. No, but I'm pretty sure that like, um, I, I think because Sonic, I think I know people who, don't give a shit about Sonic, but like the movies. Yeah. I don't. I can't really say that about Mario. And here I am, it's like it's my number nine movie of the year. But here's what it could be doing better. But you know, I I, I enjoyed it, so that's why it's here. That's why I say it. it's 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 not 1993 Mario. That's all I always have to say. It's like it's, it's good, but it's not 1993 good. <laughs> it doesn't have that nostalgia that we had because it's hard. Yeah, we saw that like at the time when it came out. So it was yeah. You know. So it makes a difference. Well, cool, cool. Well, I'm gonna go on to um. 
My number nine is Sakura, which was Donnie Yen's new movie uh, last year. And um, it was one of those ones when it first came out, I saw it in stores. I was like, oh, sweet, a new Donnie Yen movie. And I looked at the back and it was like, and it said Wirefu on the back. I was like, eh, Wirefu. And it was like 20 bucks for the yeah, I'll come back to this. Like that was kind of how I did it. It's like, like it's one of those ones. I'm like, I, I love Donnie Yen or whatever. And then it kind of, I think it was on Prime or something like that. I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to give this a go. It's it's Donnie Yen. I pretty much watch everything Donnie Yen does. So why would I not watch this? And then the kind of cool thing is it's like, I felt like it did the wire foo, but like in a good way. The best way to sort of say it is it did it like sort of like if it was an anime where it just, it's still a straight up martial arts and nothing's kind of too goofy, but it has like, if Donnie M punches somebody, he could go flying through like a wall or something like that. If there was a bunch of guys, he could like kick them all and like, you know, knock like six of them back at once. Like, so it just made him feel like he was almost more powered up. Like it was Dragon Ball, you know? And I was like, no, that's actually kind of badass. You know, it's not, it's not goofy, like crouching tiger or anything like that. No, it was straight up just like a cool, badass action. Like, you know, it had, um, it was, trying to think of what year sometimes you know you get some of the chinese things you're like was well, that like seven no i think it was 1700s kind of era because you could a lot of times the, the way it always gives away is if you somebody uses a pistol at some point you're like okay yeah, now i know now i know good. exactly what year it is you know <laughs> but before that it could have been from like 1100 to like 1800 but now now that pistol tells me pretty much what it is but um yeah it just had kind of like badass action in it throughout you know a bunch of cool neat scenes very creative donnie yen directs it himself which is neat to see um and yeah, I was overall actually way more impressed with it than I thought it was going to be. So just say it's a wire foo movie with actually has weight because I think it's the thing about Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, a lot of movies of its time where it looks like there's no weight, like they fly and they're just like do do do, just gently yeah. laying down. Where you just kind of want that, you want that like Dragon Ball or anime, just like slam down, punch, knock a fucker out, you know? Yep. Yeah, yeah, that's that's pretty much like the kind it has. It just has like it just, yeah, it just ups the ante. And I don't know, maybe it's just that woman like the Hong that. Kong cinema. They're like, you know what, the kids nowadays just like you can't compete with the anime anymore, so we just got to do it. <laughs> There's literally Chinese and Korean anime now, so yeah, <laughs> yeah. So it's one of those ones. So I felt like they kind of had to go, you know, turn it up. But uh, it probably works better when you get older too, because it's one thing about Donnie Yen though. It's like he's literally just as old as Jet Li, and Jet Li looks like an old man. He's looked like an old man for like 20 years. And but no, for some reason, Donnie Yen still looks like he's like 28 years old. I don't know what the hell he's doing, but I think because we've seen Jet Li with spiked hair for so long. Yeah, exactly. You know, and I, I think it's also because Jet, Jet Li never had spiked hair. I think he never had spiked hair. We would have known. Yeah. And I think this is, I think it was Jet Li must've had like bad acne or something when he was younger. And I think that's kind of, cause you kind of can see it in his face. Like he's got those kind of marks like he did or something. And I think mm -hmm. that kind of makes him look a little bit older, but it's like, even still like in the last handful of movies and I mean, even like expendables one, he looks, he's got kind of like slightly gray hair going on and everything like that. But yeah, it's done yeah. again, just youthful, but yeah, badass action in it. All kinds of neat scenes, period piece, you know, weapon combat, you know, fist combat, you know, all around neat stuff. Um, yeah, I really did enjoy it. It's been a while since I watched it, so I'm trying to think of exactly what the heck the story was. But it's like, well, it's like it was really good. It had punching and kicking, and there was explosive power, and one guy brought a sword out. <laughs> <laughs> like a kid explaining his favorite anime to his dad before he gets dropped off at school. Yeah, like like that's how sometimes that's how it feels when it's been a while since I watched something. But like, um, yeah. You know, overall, I was like, this this was pretty solid. You know, I was kind of bummed I didn't just buy it initially just to give Donnie Yen money because I don't want to see Donnie Yen go home hungry tonight, you know. Yeah. God forbid. <laughs> so that was your number nine? That was my number nine, Sakura. Uh, my number eight is Sisu. Sisu, that, 
that was another good one too um badass action it was it felt like that movie was meant to be tied in with like the grindhouse era of mm-hmm. movies like you know like the post grindhouse like the where you had hobo with a shotgun you had uh machete you know it felt like sisu was supposed to be in that kind of category like if almost like produced by tarantino and robert rodriguez and kept continuing on those movies but oddly a lot of those ones kind of disappeared and that was it well, the thing about that is like it, that with a dash of like John Wick. And I know that's all before John Wick, but I mean, just that because John Wick really brought back the stoic action hero and with minimal dialogue. And it's kind of like it's always a very a straightforward, like always a very straightforward goal, but just interesting, interesting ways to kill people, almost kind of like a, a horror, a horror film violence level of killing people in a lot of those movies. And mm-hmm. then toppled with like added with, um, I guess, kind of like uh, what's the word I'm looking for here? I guess kind of a sense of style or a sense, certain sense of grit you wouldn't hear usually when you hear about like, oh, it's a revenge movie. Like, of course, it's a revenge movie. But I mean, I feel like there's a point where revenge movies got a little like not softer might not be the word, but they didn't get like this level of grit, like this kind of level of grit and violence went away for a while and then kind of came back, you know? Yeah, exactly. Um, it, de- it definitely goes. It almost has like a very inglorious bastards feel like that's what it kind yeah. of feels like it's tied to it takes that style and runs with it, but makes it a hardcore revenge movie. This movie also got kind of boned too because it like they literally had trailers for it playing in the theaters for a while. And then when it came out, like the theaters just didn't play it. And so it kind of like I, I just, that's why I just bought it when it came out. I'm like, well, I want I wanted to give money to this movie anyways. Like it just looked like it was doing the right thing, you know, and it is a solid movie. It's got great action in it, but it's very simple. It's it's right to the point. Just this old gold miner's out there, you know. Um, he's a Norwegian dude, right? Norwegian or Swedish? I, can't I think he's Swedish. Or is, no, he's Finnish. I believe. I actually want to say Finnish. Yeah, yeah, Finnish. Yeah, and he's just this old like you know this old guy who was almost like a you know ace combat guy back in the day. And he's out just kind of gold panning and doing his thing, not bothering anybody. And of course, some Nazis come by and start like pushing him around and. You know, they're, 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 it's like the one of those ones where they're like, they're almost like the the robot kind of Nazis where they're just like all bad. Now, I don't think they humanize any of those characters. They're just like, they're all bad. He's going to get pissed because they're doing, you know, they kill his horse and all kinds of stuff. And now he's got to go and kill them all. And oh, yeah, by the way, they got some captured uh, Jewish women, too, or something like that. No, maybe they weren't Jewish. They were. Uh, where the heck? They were- I think they were uh, they're Swedish. I think they're Swedish. Yeah, women. maybe they were all in Finland they explained, the whole time. They were Finnish, maybe yeah, Finnish or yep. I don't remember what it was. I can't remember. I, it's like I watched this movie when it came out on Blu-ray, like in June. What Sisu meant? I mean, I I can't. So I, I think they're just nationals. Of what they're just the citizens or whatever. I think I feel bad. It was it Finland or was it Sweden? I, I think it was. Yeah, I, I think it was Finnish. I'm pretty. I'm, I want to say it's 100 percent Finnish because that was the thing. Is the movie's definitely Finnish made and all kinds of stuff. And it's just, it's just been a while since I've seen it by this point. But yeah, they went hard on that. They had great action, great violence. But, you know, it's, it's simple. It's kind of, a you know, almost bread and butter, but bread and butter done really well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's um, Finland. Yeah, Finland. OK. Yeah, that, that's right. Um, I was say, it's just, it's just it's, you start getting confused after a while when it's been a while. But um, yeah, it's, yeah, just, it's cool to see a Finnish movie kind of come out and actually be in the U.S. and, you know, all that kind of stuff. I think I'm not sure. Maybe he's a huge, huge um, Finnish actor, or maybe he's a huge actor in Europe, and I don't know about him. But it's also kind of cool because you can kind of believe the legend more when it's not like some actor you've seen a bunch. And maybe he's in a bunch of stuff. 
and I just don't know. Maybe I'm just mm-hmm. not uh, cultured. But he's also this dude who just kind of like comes in. Like, and I mean, the actor, the fact that we don't really know the actor, we, you and me don't know the actor. And this guy, just how minimal he talks there is that helps that or mystery around this guy. So that kind of can make you believe a blank slate of like, yeah, this guy can fuck all these people up. I can believe that. Yeah, no, and he does, and it has a super happy ending, and he kills everybody, and it, it all sort of works out in the long run. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's just a good old act, action romp. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and I always love the genre of old guys kicking ass. That's, that's always been one of my favorite genres. Yeah, it's always a fun one. But um, So what are we going on now? What are we on, number eight? Yeah, number eight. Well, no, my number eight is Mario Brothers. So Mario Brothers, oh, there we go. Mario <laughs> Brothers, there we go. There it's solid. So uh, now we can go up to what's your number seven then? My number seven is Blackberry. Oh, this this one I, I still wanted to see this one because you kept talking so highly about it, and then I was like, I'm gonna I'm gonna check it out, I'm gonna check it out, check it out, and then I just never ran across it for some reason. Then I guess I hope I didn't Oppenheimer and Barbie it for you whenever you see it because it's it's not like it's, it's number seven, but at the same time it, it's still it's still a fun movie. I still liked it. I think because I went in because I heard people talk about it like, oh yeah, Dennis from It's Always Sunny is in it, and he's, just, he's he plays like a, a psychotic asshole. Well, he already does that, but all right, let's see more. Of it. <laughs> yeah. and it was, he's was good on, at it. <laughs> I was on a plane and then watching it, it was like. I was just, it was interesting because the thing is like, okay, it's, it's the rise and fall of Blackberry. Okay, fine. Mm. But the thing about it is it really, I didn't really know that much about Blackberry and how they're kind of leading the smartphone industry. And then how like, cause they're, it's, 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 it's really an interesting character study because um, it's also very believable. Cause sometimes you feel like, you know, like you'll have like, the nerdy guys in a, like a biopic, the nerdy guys like, Oh, we like the star Wars. Oh, we like the star Trek and the stuff they're referencing. And cause you know, there are a bunch of nerds working at this at the beginning, which are nerds working at like a, a tech company that's going nowhere. So on, on slow days, they're like doing like, you know, they're playing like EverQuest or they're doing like doom raids or they're doing whatever, you know what I mean? They're just yeah. and like, one of the dudes that I forget, I thought it was played by Andy Samberg, but it's not, it's, it's like, basically there's the idea guy. There, there's the guy who's like, who's played by Jay Baronshell, who's basically the main character. Then his second in command. I thought it was Andy Samberg, but it's not. It's somebody else. Uh-huh. He, that dude's obsessed with Ninja Turtles. And it's not like he's always talking about like, you know, like, like, like Michelangelo always says, they never do that. Just small little things they get across or they'll like have movie nights or whatever. It's interesting. Cause you see like the scrappy little company start this way and then, what they become and how they fall apart mm-hmm. and part of you is kind of like you kind of watch this dude kind of slowly jay baruchel the the guy who the you see the guy he's playing you see him slowly kind of change as time goes on like he's this autistic nerdy awkward guy with a lot of great ideas totally changed everything and the thing that made him keep on doing what he was doing made him last for so long is he had some core values but then, you know, business people come in and they present ultimatums. They present things that make you think, well, maybe you don't really have an option. Maybe you have to do it this way. Maybe there's no other way to really do this. So, OK, I guess, I guess we'll do it this way. And then you kind of see those are all the things that fuck them. Those are mm-hmm. other than the iPhone coming out. But other, other aspects are the things that fuck them. Like there's at some point where he is like, you know, the autistic nerdy guy who is just very passionate about making this project. 
but then at some point he has his hair slicked back and he's like, you know, at some point, like, cause the guy that plays the dude who plays Dennis from it's always sunny. He's like, he just recently got fired. He becomes an investor and becomes one of like the vice presidents or vice CEOs of the company. And he walks in and he, there's all these nerds sitting there playing like doom. He's like, what the fuck is this? You know? and he's just like, so wait, this company that's making these chips for you, they're not paying you? Like, well, they're, they're going to pay us. They're just going to pay us later. They've just been putting us off. Like, someone get me a phone. Like, <laughs> what? Give me a phone and the number of so-and-so. They're looking around. What the fuck are you doing? Like, they're, not, they're not used to this. So it's just like, oh, shit. Like, okay. You know? So, And you kind of slowly see, like, he's the asshole they need the time that asshole they need is slowly the person who fucks them over and it's also interesting because i didn't have no idea some of the connections that like um the video game industry like people that worked at naughty dog or people who worked at doom or like not even yeah. doom. like there's a part where i forget the guy's name he, he's a chinese dude i forget his name but he has he's big on youtube and tiktok and he's a famous voice actor but uh, more like a big internet personality voice actor. He's really good. He's in Lack of Daisy. He's in um, he's he's in a bunch of stuff. I'm drawing a blank on other things though. Um, I actually think I think he's the he's the he's the rodent. He's like the raccoon thing or whatever from the new God of War. Uh, anyway. Um, okay, I, I still have, I, I own all the God of Wars. Never played any of the God of Wars. Any of the new ones? Okay. Um, I, I just seen. I just know he's, he's any of them in general. <laughs> Oh, okay. Um, anyway, he he has like he's not he doesn't have a whole bunch of scenes, but he has a couple of scenes. He's the guy they hire, and he's like, oh yeah, back when we when I worked at Naughty Dog, we were making Crash Bandicoot. We had to actually reverse engineer the PlayStation to properly set up the thing and then make the game, and then like so just some of the things like that you would not expect to hear like in a major motion picture, you know? So some of the cross, yeah. so just a video game fan, that's always kind of like fun to hear. And I, it's just a really interesting character study because I feel like we've seen a lot of rise and fall movies that are biopics, Yeah, but it really is like character focus and not just like, it, it does time skip, but you really kind of do get into it and you really kind of like, you know, it doesn't end well because you know, Blackberry's not around anymore. But at the same time, you, you're also kind of like, I kind of get why you did that. But at the same time, you kind of went against your values here, and that's kind of why you fucked yourself. Yeah. No, see, there's one of those ones, like, one, I, I like those kind of business, you know, kind of biopic-type movies. Those are always cool. And then, really, technology in itself is, you know, you know, historical technology is always one of my favorite subjects. That's, you know, I don't care what it is. Like, I like all that stuff from, like, the 60s to, like, the you know, the 2000s of, like, whether it be computers video games accessories and all that kind of stuff like I, I that's one of my favorite genres to go through and uh yeah this is one of those ones where i kept saying like i, I gotta find this one i gotta find this one i have no idea where it's played of course never played in theaters um so it's like one of those ones i, I don't even know what the heck it's on i know you saw it on a plane that doesn't help anything <laughs> i i don't know where yeah i don't really know it yeah just, oh, i mean we didn't watch this movie so, <laughs> so but yeah i don't think it popped on amazon or if it did nobody gave any advertisement for it i didn't see it on any of the other ones so it's probably oh, one of those weird like a roku or something like that like one of those ones where you gotta go way far out of your way to find it Tubi or whatever <laughs> yeah you know one of those things like that but um it was like when i had to watch the weird owl movie it was like okay i gotta get a roku app or whatever account just so i can watch this one movie that's all i want i just want to watch the weird owl movie and that's it um yeah so, i don't know where it's at but it's pretty good so yeah i i really want to check that one out because as i said like i I love historical computer technology type stuff anyways so 
that's cool. And what number was that again? Seven? Yeah. Well, my number seven is Sisu, so we're, we're just oh, going to go. leapfrog and just keep putting Ryan back on the mic again. <laughs> but, um, yeah, there anyway. we go, Sisu. Yeah, yeah, anyway, so now back to my time. Just grab the <laughs> mic, hold it up, okay. I just, I just really want to be heard right now. That's all. I just, li- I just want people to hear my opinions. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I just love the sound of my own voice. Yeah, it helps me nut when I go to before I go to bed. So, can, can I get those monitors turned up? They're, yeah. they're up as far as it's not loud enough. I want to sound the, uh, like I'm God talking to myself. Ozzy man does myself. Yes, <laughs> you know. So, um, my um. My number, I guess, is seven now or six? Six? I think we're on six. Uh, Killers of the Flower Moon is number six. For oh, me. okay. And yeah, I know so that's this was one of those ones I did see in theaters, and it, it took effort because it was so it was like four hours long with trailers and all that stuff. So you had to like time it right. It's like, okay, well, I don't. It's like I thought when it first came, I'm like, it's seven thirty. Like, Jesus Christ, I won't be getting out of the theater till like midnight thirty, you know, one o'clock. Um, <laughs> And so you had to find them. Like I finally caught one. It's like four o'clock. Yeah, let's do that. Like there we go. And then uh, when I did watch it, it's it's solid. It's like don't get me wrong. It, it's a good story. Very interesting. Sad, dark. Still funny because it's you know Martin Scorsese. So it's got a mix match of everything going on in it. Um, you know, it, it's it's what it is. It's a super acting movie. It's one of those movies that fits in that category where it's like let's just watch people hardcore act. With Leonardo DiCaprio and Robert De Niro. I feel like I need to watch it again at some point when I have like two days off in a row, but um, with nothing else going on those days, just to because to fully take it in. Cause I, I did take I really liked it and I appreciate that um, it's kind of like maybe I'm being a little biased because Martin Scorsese is one of my favorites, but I, I guess it's kind of like. I wasn't expecting this story, but I guess it's kind of what I was hoping Oppenheimer would be, you know? Yeah. Like, it's kind of like very, you know, I I, I love, you know, anyone who listens to the show long enough knows that we love superheroes. We love video games, all that kind of stuff. But you do is occasionally want the very stern, very like just down to earth, hard, gritty film. That's just more of just like kind of you said, like super acting kind of like just feels like you know, like really high art. And I feel like this movie is that. And I feel that at the same time, I do feel like it could be a little shorter, just a little shorter. Cause, cause he watching it again. Oh, not watching it again. Watch it for the first time. Uh, Cause it finally came on Apple TV. Um, it was really good. And I can't tell you what needs to be trimmed. I honestly couldn't tell you. Cause I feel like um, I did feel the length, but I was enjoying it the whole time. I feel like there is a three hour version of this that probably goes a little smoother, but at the exact same time, I can't, I can't deny that I did really enjoy it. And I was like, it was an interesting character, another case of an interesting character study. Cause you just see this guy, like, first off it's Leo DiCaprio. So you're imagining Leo coming in he's going to Leo this shit up, but he doesn't. He's like, like inbred, like, mm, my name's Ernest. Mm. Yeah. You know, he's like, you know, like three steps away from Billy Bob Thornton and Swing Blade, this whole fucking <laughs> movie. And you're thinking he's going to play on that Leo charm and that Leo, like, he's like, he, he's barely functioning. He's fucking <laughs> barely there, you know? And it's like the idea that, like, he just got a, back from WW1. Yeah. And he's like a dumbass who's like, he is kind of a weak guy. He's like that dumbass, like, okay, 
like you're gonna do you're gonna do what my what i have to say because you know, my, my uncle's over here like oh your uncle yeah my my uncle like you know just like the idea like you're not used to seeing leo play like a character this fucking weak in this <laughs> at the same time but he also has like the weight of the world on his shoulders and when he actually does have a spine he still doesn't have the spine to do everything right just enough to save face enough for this and there is this interesting duality because you see you know that like for people who don't know what the movie's about, basically, um, the Osage Indians were, they struck oil and they're living richer than white people at this, at this time. And then a lot of like white people, like a big group of white people were moving in on them, led by Robert De Niro. <laughs> He was making he was making friends, learning language, shaking hands. And at first glance, he he comes across like, "It is me, Robert De Niro. I am an ally." <laughs> he comes in very much like that. But then, like, and you kind of could believe it for a minute. But then, you know, the second he's alone, he and he has like it's weird because you kind of see like, you don't agree with it, but you you see his process. He's just like, you know, they're good people, but their time is up. It's time for us. It's just it's they're just gonna they're not gonna know what to do with it, you know. So he is, so despite like the nice things he says to them you know he's a piece of shit but the weird the creepy thing is how much logic he how much logic he fits into like yeah. what a fucking horrible piece of shit he is but he doesn't act like a, he doesn't he acts his horrible acts but he doesn't like he's not like rubbing his hands together like ha 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 like you know like fucking tying like native american people to railroad tracks or nothing like that he's he's very slow burn contemplative and it's just really kind of like an unsettling character in that way because he does seem like someone's kindly old grandpa like dude you seem pretty fucking you, you seem pretty fucking progressive for the times. Oh, of course I am, you know, come right this way, you know, and then you never see that person again. So it's kind of like, so it's like one of those movies that like, there's some moments where I kind of found myself like, what does she know that he's doing this or does they, do they know? And you're kind of parsing together just because like, it doesn't spoon feed you. You kind of have to wait it out. And then through the performances and through subtleties, like, Oh yeah, they know. Oh, they don't know. You know, so it's, it's, I just found it to be a very good movie. Um, it's not one of my favorite Scorsese films, but I still really enjoyed it. Yeah, no, it, it's a solid one overall. And it's kind of funny because it's really like that story is no different than like the, the Native American casinos like in California. It's the exact same thing again because those casinos technically aren't starred by necessarily Native Americans. Some, somebody else comes in and goes, hey, wait a second. We can make a lot of money off this. Did you know that you can do this legally and so on like that? You know, and that's how all those ones start up. So it's like, you know, they, they kind of they figurehead it and they put the Indian chief up there. But then it's kind of ran by a bunch of other people behind, you know, closed doors. You know, not even behind closed doors. The other guy stand right next to him. You know what I mean? The, the, the guy who is the mastermind. And that's literally how all those kind of go. No different. I mean, maybe a little bit less gangstery because it's the future age. But you could still be kind of a gangster and do it all like in uh, tax forms and all that kind of stuff and not have to, you know, cheapen out and do all that kind of stuff. It's not as good as Goodfellas, but it definitely had some Goodfellas undertones with the way they were handling it. Kind of like how the like the not to the level of like kind of like the heist and the way they're kind of going about it, the way they're planning it. You know what I mean? Not, 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 not so much the, the montage of fuck you pay me, but I mean the way they were kind of going about this and um, yeah, I just really liked it. Yeah, no. And it's just interesting because, you know, Leo's character himself too. It's like, he's both like kind of a bad guy, but like not a bad guy all at the same time. Like, it's not like he's doing, he's not continuously doing terrible stuff. He's still trying to do good things, but it's like, he just is in this like cycle of the Robert De Niro game plan where like, you know, he'll be a good father and he'll be, you know, a good husband. But then 
be like, okay, I got to go and do this now, or oh, I got to take this sister out. Yeah, I, I can do it. Fuck it. You know what I mean? Like he just doesn't question as much. It's just such a interesting way of going through it that like he could kind of go back and forth, back and forth. He's not god awful, but then he'll do god awful things, and it's. It just is kind of an interesting way to sort of watch as it sort of goes towards the end and, you know, pretty much people start falling off the face of the earth. He's basically just a weak guy who can't, who's too eager to impress a couple of people in the room, you know, he where he should read. And, you know, the thing is like, you know, your wife, she, here's her insulin. So just put this in with the insulin and everything's going to be fine. And he, he knows deep down that it's it's bad for her, but he's kind of lying to himself. Like, I'm, I'm giving her her medicine. Like, motherfucker, you know what you're doing. But, yeah. like, yeah, so it's it's just one of those things, like, it's also not a movie you could probably watch all the time. A, it's long as fuck. B, it's also, like, it's, um, it is pretty, like, it is pretty bleak. But it's also just a really good movie, and I really enjoyed it, so... Yeah, well, well, that's why I didn't have it on my list because I was like, it's good, but I don't, I don't see myself watching it. Maybe again, way down the line, but you know, it's kind of a one and done one, where it's solid and I like the experience. And you, you almost want to tell this lady, it's like, well, if you know what, you none of you guys would have diabetes if you just stopped eating all that goddamn sugar. What are you doing? Like, well, but the, the cookies are good, the cakes are good. I, I can't stop. There's donuts in the room. Like, it's like, well, so let's just stop eating them. Stop, stop. What are you doing? This is why you have to take insulin. Just been invented just for you because you can't stop eating the cookies. <laughs> it killed three of your sisters already and you're still eating that donut. Ah, but it tastes good. <laughs> what are you doing? Like that was all I kept thinking. Like it's like, God, half her family died from diabetes and what is she doing? She's, it like she's like eating it, like as they're looking at her, like she's in the doctor's office eating it. Like, oh no, she's yeah. just Robert advice, like, oh, bake some more cookies for her. Yeah, here you go. I know how much you like them. Shit, they ain't How's the diabetes treating you? <laughs> the way you're explaining it, you're saying it like they didn't need to sneak up behind anybody and shoot them in the back of the head. They just could have brought up a thing of donuts every day. That's the way they literally could have. It was, it was literally taking out half of them. I mean, like in that movie, literally half people die from diabetes, and more than half of them die from diabetes. Like that's like the number one cause of death. There, they only they, they kill a couple of them. It's like, dude, you could have waited probably six more months. The diabetes would have got them. You know, <laughs> it's one of those things. That's all I thought. Like, stop eating the sweets. Stop! Stop! You're Native American. Go out and go hunting or something like that. Don't quit eating. Just because a British guy comes in and starts fucking baking shit doesn't mean you need to eat it. Well, I don't know how how historically accurate it would have been, but also probably would not have had as much of a powerful sting at the end with when Martin Scorsese looks into the camera and reads the obituary. So, (laughs) Martin Scorsese, he's just going, he's like, okay, so this is like, it's like, here's my PSA. Kids, don't get diabetes. (laughs) I'm looking at you right there in the audience. Stop eating the fucking donuts. I know they don't serve donuts at this movie theater. You brought them in here. You fucking ass. Light shines down on him like, oh, how would he fucking know? Oh, Martin Scorsese knows everything. Insert Oscar here. Credits. (laughs) Yeah, totally. Uh, That's how that one felt. But uh, no, it's definitely a very, it's one of those movies like, it's 100% a must see. Like, you know, you you should go out of your way to see it, you know, at least once. But it's not like it's not one you're going to be like, oh, I'm going to throw this on the background, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> this is my jam. This is how I start my day. <laughs> Third time this week. <laughs> Get a box of donuts and I watch me some Killers of the Flower Moon. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, OK, what are we on six? Yeah. OK, well, my number six is the holdovers. I wanted to see that, but that's not playing here until like like February. 
Oh gosh. Yeah. I had to get, I got it on a, it was on Peacock because I had Peacock from when me and Cisco went to Universal Studios, they gave me six months of Peacock for free. It's like, sure, I'll take it. Oh, really? you know, I already paid you my big ticket. So yeah. And um, I mean, and mostly Peacock, I only use it really to watch WWE stuff. That's like the only thing I really, hey, there's, there's not saying there's not good stuff on there, but that's, that's WWE kind of about stuff it. stuff in a heartfelt Paul Giamatti movie. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But um, this is one of those ones I, I want to see in the cinemas because it did have trailers coming up for it. But then it's just like, I think it was another one of those movies that just, I, I, that, that's the thing that always bothers me. It's like, don't show the trailers if you're not going to show the movie. Like, you know, that's always kind of how it's been. But um, so I watched it on Peacock instead. And um, I was just kind of sold. It's like, oh, it's Paul Giamatti. And it's the sideways director guy. Uh, what's his name? Alexander Payne? Is that what his name is? It might be. I, I, I didn't know. I, I, can't, I can't remember. But that, that was it. Well, because in the trailer, it showed all. I'm like, oh, sweet. And this movie kind of plays out sort of in that similar style that Sideways is. Where it's one of those movies where... It's kind of a sophisticated comedy and kind of dumb, retarded comedy all mixed together and then kind of like almost a um, almost a dramedy thrown in. And what made this one kind of neat is it takes place, I think, in 1970, maybe 71. And um, it's shot just like it is like a 70s movie or 60s, 70s, like that style. So it has a feeling like almost like you're watching like The Graduate or you're watching like uh, Mid or Midnight Cowboy, one of those kind of films like that. Like even the credits and all the stuff like that, like has a very old school retro feel, camera angles and all that stuff. So and it's just kind of a neat genre to kind of like go after that. You know, I don't I never see people utilize that the same way. And um, it's just a story of like. A high school but at first i thought it was a college the whole time it's like oh that's a that's just a fancy ass high school <laughs> like um and there's these it's a boys school where like you know it's a bunch of rich kids and so on like that who are like and the holdovers are is like these are like there's like six kids that kind of like hey your parents are so rich that they're out you know cruising italy and flying in a helicopter and you know all this kind of stuff and so they can't pick you up so you got to stay the winter with paul giamatti because he got the short end of the stick and that's why he's got to stay here and so it's just them staying over kind of Christmas slash New Year's, I, I guess, like, you know, three weeks of your Christmas vacation type thing. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of weird because it starts off with like six kids and, or whatever. And then about a quarter in the movie, like five of the kids, literally like 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 Bobby's dad shows up, who's just like kind of like long haired, kind of like almost like kind of the cool stoner guy, maybe who like, you know, is the quarterback champ and all that kind of stuff. He's like, hey, my dad's come by. He's come by this helicopter. He can take you all. We can all go hang at my house. We're going to go skiing and shit. It's going to be awesome. And then he literally takes all the people away. And you're like, oh, oh, there goes that. And then it becomes more of like a, a drama, almost or drama comedy between one kid, Paul Giamatti, and then there's like the cafeteria lady. And the, this is kind of like the trio throughout it. And then they kind of have, you know, their bonding experience and so on. And they don't get along, but then they kind of do. And they'll have the moments and good jokes along the way. And it's just one of those ones. It was just kind of like, it was fun. It was heartfelt. It was one of those ones. There was great moments in it. And it even ends like, it could have ended in a couple different ways. But it still had, it had the super happy ending. I'm like, this worked well for it. I think that's what it was. With that same sideways humor. Like picture that kind of stuff. I, I, I actually meant to put that on my wanted to see, but didn't see list. Um, yeah, I had no idea what it was about. I just saw Paul Giamatti Christmas. That, that, that's all. That's all I really knew about it. So um, knowing it's by the guy who made Sideways, now I'm more interested in seeing it. But yeah, I've heard a lot of people talk about how good that movie is. And I would have liked to check that out. But that one just 
didn't hasn't made it over here yet, which is weird. It's, it's a Christmas movie. You think it would have been out by November or something, even if it yeah, was. I, I, yeah, I don't. I think they waited too late because even, it, it literally even came out. I want to say. And like December 29th on Peacock. So it was already like, oh, that's, yeah, well, it, it's like, it's sort of, it, it, I mean, it goes through Christmas and then it turns it. So it has a Christmas section. Then it turns into new years. Yeah. So it, it's like, you could kind of say it's just the end of the year movie into the new year, but, uh, gotcha. But yeah. Well, yeah. I, I wanted to see that, but the, the way you're, you're selling me, I had no idea it was about like that. I thought I assumed it was about like a family that doesn't get along at Christmas or something like that. I'm like, I've seen that, but that could still be good. But hearing that where it's like a makeshift family that kind of drew the short end of the, of the stick, like that, that actually sounds pretty good too, though. Yeah. Cause you know, each character all has sort of like, you know, a, a, a kind of major flaw going on in their lives, you know, kind of the travesty and, you know, sort of that kind of brings it all together, but it's still, it's just still filled with that good comedy where you can literally have a nice sophisticated joke, like real intelligent, but then you can still have the dick and fart jokes too. Like that's, that's what I like about that. You know, you can, it, it has both. Like there's a part where like Paul Giamatti's drunk and he literally sits in bed and there's a fart. He's just like rips a big fart and just goes to sleep. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you know, here we go. Prep school. <laughs> sophisticated comedy you know like and then then there's like that kind of stuff in there but um yeah i I just thought it was fun it was funny and as i said i just appreciate it for having that late 60s early 70s you know uh look and feel to it the the soundtrack all has that kind of cool like you know folk rockish kind of all of bob dylan kind of era stuff so um it's like one of those ones like like, there there was just a lot i liked about it. it it just it hits the period piece hard like, mm. you know, it gets it, it gets it real nice, but without being kind of like corny, how some things will do where it's like nobody fucking was like that in that year or something like that. No, this one feels realistic and legitimate. Where everyone's just a very stereotype where everyone's wearing a Led Zeppelin shirt or everyone's wearing. Yeah, a- where it's like it's 1971. So the only thing they use to decorate everything is like extreme stuff from 1971. No, it doesn't do that. Even like tie dye or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. No, well, it's, it's like a prep school too. So everybody's like in, you know, button up, you know, suit and tie type stuff and. You know, it's like that kind of stuff that you kind of look at. You're like, you know, generally all these kids would be people. You'd be like, fuck these people. You know, it's like a regular public school kid. Like these would be like, like, but like it works in a movie somehow, some way. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, I get you. Um, so that was your number six or seven. Yeah. Right. Number six, I want to say. six. Okay. Well, um, well, yeah, I guess we're at number, I guess we're halfway there. Well, I know this one is going to stir a conversation between the two of us. Uh, I, I knew this one was coming. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Mutant Mayhem is my number five. I know you weren't the biggest fan of that movie. Yeah, this might be my least favorite movie of the year. <laughs> really? Oh, well. It's probably the worst movie I saw. Like, It was one of those ones that I remember I was literally talking to a guy I knew from back in the day. And we were talking about movies and he's like, and I told him, I was like, dude, it's like one of those ones, like, if you like Ninja Turtles, you it's best that you just don't go see it. Like, I hate to sort of say Unless it. You're he's like, yeah, he's like, I heard I heard that from a lot of people. I, I have heard people that did like it. And I'm not saying there's not, there's moments in it I did enjoy. I'm definitely saying it's not like it's it's god-awful, but I just felt like as a Turtles fan, just like, they just, I, I, the thing about him the most is just the downplaying the ninjutsu part. Like, I, I felt like I took that kind of personally strong. That's like, it's like one of those ones that's like when they sort of just do the thing where it's like, no, 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 the whole point of Ninja Turtles, even if they are kind of goofy and fun and so on like that, they still are hardcore, serious trainers. Like, don't take that part. Of, I don't know. It's just it's something that bothers me in life is when they just give people, in a sense, like, 
powers and the stuff like that like it's like i like when characters have to like in a sense batman philosophy like it's not just like batman just like oh, i just took a couple of pills and next thing you know i was batman up it's like no he's like he went out and trained for like 15 fucking years hard well, thing, well if you think about it the movie i mean it happened differently but the movie was literally um Yes, they have enhanced strength. Yes, they have enhanced like reflexes, but that's the same thing of what's already in the comic and already in the other cartoon. It's just they learned from they didn't have an ancient China, uh, ancient Japanese scroll from Splinter who had a bunch of history with Shredder. They learned it just from watching. They won't learn it from watching movies, and I think that's kind of interesting. Just the idea of like I don't, I don't know why the idea that like somebody could sloppily kind of learn how to do this because of because we we know they've been training. They've been training since they were kids. There was since they were like this big. They showed that there's montages of there's that montage that shows them being babies training their whole that whole time it's just they're a little bit more teenage at the exact same time which is something that was never really emphasized in previous versions of them you know it was just like the very superficial like galabunga type stuff but this they yeah. definitely feel more like teenagers and i found myself kind of liking them because they did feel kind of like you know goofy awkward little underdogs that all still kind of fit the personality my only my only complaint about the movie and it's not even that this one of them, it's not a slight against him. I don't even think he did a bad job. It just sounded too young. I thought Donatello sounded too young. I, I know the, guy, the, yeah. the, the, the kid who voiced him didn't do a bad job. That voice just sounded too young for, for, for him, for what I'm used to, even though that probably is the age of the actor or whatever. Because um, I could still, you know, Raphael. Well, it, it makes him sound like a 10-year-old. That's the he sounded. He's, he's not a teenager anymore. He's now like a kid. Which apparently that's he was the age of the character he was playing, but at the same, I think the bigger thing that's more of like a get for because it's a Nickelodeon movie, and he voiced like that, that's the voice actor. I, I don't know, I didn't watch the show, but my nephew did. Like it was like the voice actor from like Gumball or something. So for a lot of Nickelodeon like Gen like Zoomers and Alpha yeah, Gen like, A, yeah, a lot, a lot of Zoomers and Gen A they know that voice actor so that was like oh gumball's gonna be in it or whatever so you know but um but even regardless of that i think that it's one of the first time i think it's like the, not the first time but like a, i think a lot of the times when people get a franchise they often do one of two things they go like i'm gonna do my vision and it's gonna be so far it's gonna be my vision and my vision only and then you do the thing where it's just kind of like Oh, we got the rights to this shit. Uh, let's make a movie before the rights go out. And I think this movie finds that middle balance because after because we were reading the comics, the original comics on the podcast, and yeah, it wasn't as gritty, wasn't as dirty, but I could definitely tell they pulled inspiration from that, the art style, the griminess of it, and then plus like the authenticity. I'm not going to say the authenticity because I've never been to New York, but I guess it felt a little more. Um, it just it felt different. And it still felt like turtles to me. The only thing, aside from Donatello's voice, the only thing that kind of, it wasn't like a make or break for me. It was just a little too like family movie for me was the end where mutants move into the sewers with them. Like they're one big family. Like I yeah. could have probably done without that, but you know, that's going to be changed in the next movie. All the other mutants are going to move off. Bebop and Rocksteady are going to become bad guys. 
so it's it, everything's going to go this like a different direction by the end. But also, I thought this is, this is another case where I think people sometimes talk about needle drops in movies. I think all the needle drops in this worked pretty good. Like I think the um, the um, hot diggity um, montage where it's like where they're hitting up all these different like you know like fronts of different you know mm-hmm. trying to find Superfly. I thought that was great. I thought. Um, um, uh, Ice Cube as Superfly was fantastic. You know, um, I really, I, I just really, and I thought the action was great. Um, I, mm-hmm. I think that, I think really, just it, I'm not trying to say like, if you listen to me long enough, you will totally change your opinion. But I, I honestly think though, the whole like, I, I don't think it's some kind of Zoomer thing of like, he's got to be whoever you are, who you are is special. And that's why you can do all these special abilities. I didn't, I didn't take it as that. I just took it as, you know, well, we don't want to have all this history to shredder and let's just give shredder the backseat. Thank God. Mm-hmm. We finally have a movie that gave shredder the backseat and let's just jump to the point. And I kind of thought it was kind of funny and interesting making Splinter like a single dad trying to figure this shit out. Like he was, he gave a, he had like single dad energy who loved his kids, but was still trying to figure it out and go along with it. And even though this is like a very small thing, but it was kind of like a little South Park bit of humor. Like whenever they like had like the part where he's trying to throw like a party for them, he's just like, look, I brought three coolest Chris's in the world. And they're cut out, they're cardboard cutouts of the actual, like, of like Chris Pratt, Chris Hemsworth. And I don't know, like, and they're like the real life versions of them, but everything else is still cartoony and deformed. That was just kind of a little like South Park kind of style. I don't know why I found that kind of funny. Yeah. But, you know, just things like that. So I, I really liked the movie and yeah, there you go. Yeah. As I said, yeah, it does. Ha- it has its moments. I'm not going to deny that there, there is funny bits. There is decent action. There is kind of cool animation here and there. Um, I'm, I'm not saying that, but it's just, yeah, it's just the ninjutsu thing bothers me more than anything. I do I, The April O'Neil's fucking, I can't stand that either. That was terrible. And then it does have that, I feel like it does have that, come on, guys, we can all be friends, like that fucking, in a sense, it could be Zoomer shit, but that reminds, that reminds me of all the terrible stuff that reminds me of the 70s sometimes, too, where it's just like, come on, guys, let's all get together. No one, you know everyone could slap dicks and it's okay you know like like it's like no not everybody's gonna be friends sometimes you just don't like certain people like i feel I, I like want, the end... oh, go ahead, it's sorry. just one of those ones and and then they got the weird thing where they're like oh like leo and april are gonna be banging and like you're like what the fuck like like that's like it's like one of those ones like we literally have like bestiality but so no we're all the same man like we're all the same like it's trying to give that thing like let's just you know the, the turtles are gonna go to high school and everything i'm like god this stupid this isn't the but. first time this isn't the first time the turtles have had it for the hots for april o'neill it's also not the first time like they've had like, I, I could also see that them doing something like maybe adding the tragedy of it of like not all of them but some of the um family the, the makeshift family by the end of the movie go separate directions like we know bebop and rocksteady aren't going to stay good so i think there's something about that where they're building up like that could add more stakes to the next movie possibly like i, I and like i i didn't mind april neil like i thought that she was fine she's not i mean my favorite april neil is probably the cartoon april neil because the, the first cartoon because that's the one i'm used to that's the one i know but april neil has been different enough and they've changed her throughout the years so making her closer to the turtles age and also making her someone who can relate more to the turtles in that way i thought that was an interesting choice it did it's like 
Is it everything that I would immediately jump to? No, but I thought it, I thought it worked for the movie, and I liked her. And I also liked that um, the voice actress for her because she's in a lot of other stuff. She's in um, what's it called? Um, she's in the Bear. That, oh. that show. And she's really good in that. So. Yeah, yeah. I just couldn't take the. I just couldn't take the all the super dorkiness and you know everybody's like a tragic loser like that that, that kind of storyline. Sometimes it's like no. Like April O'Neil's fucking like tough edged. She had to work her way up, you know. Like, come on, like this is where she is working her way up. Everybody, yeah, but they always have to do that thing where it's like, oh, they were just a loser in high school, and you know, it's just like I feel like that's that's so overplayed, and I I don't know. It's this is one of those movies that's literally I don't think I'd go see the second one. I I disliked it that much that I was like, I don't I don't want to give Seth Rogen any more money that like. It's like, give me a new Turtles will probably change over again anyways after like two movies. So I'll just wait for the next one and see how that rolls. Okay, well, you know, I'm not going to not going to like sit here like you're wrong. wrong." (laughs) The podcast is over. (laughs) That's okay. There's a few people out there that like the movie. It's not saying that like I I, I get it. Like, you know, it is it, it is fun. I think it's one of those ones. If you just go into it like I'm having a fun time, it's totally fine. If you're going into it like thinking Ninja Turtles, you you're just gonna get yourself angry because that's what I noticed of like a lot of the other people I talk to is they just they, they got themselves all riled up. So that's why I started telling people I'm like, you just don't go see it. You don't you know what I mean? Don't don't stress yourself out, man. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just I, I I guess Raphael is probably one of my favorite turtles, but I think in I'm um, probably more like Michelangelo. Like, hey man, we could all get along. Where you're more like Raphael. Like, no fuck this, bro. Fuck this shit. Well, it's probably because like Donatello is my favorite character, so that probably adds that actually. Like, oh, they make Donatello like a bitch in this one. Like, come on. Like, he was he no, was yeah, he's in the mission though. He's in the mission. Yeah, they make him retarded and shit. Like, what the fuck is this bullshit? <laughs> like, I'm full on that. He's he was like he was like function he was functionally autistic in the last um in the last cartoon iteration, Rise of Ninja Turtles. They 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 did something they did something different with each turtle in the last one. They gave him powers and the last one I didn't see everything of it. What I saw was good, but there's some stuff like, oh, you're doing that? Okay. But they put a lot of like they put a lot of inspiration from studio trigger which shows which is pretty awesome so yeah well it just feels like this day and age it feels like oh somebody's in the computers and they're smart and everything that oh they must be retarded and it's like dude no no we're not all fucking retarded like i like computers and all this stuff i relate to don tell since the 80s don't don't you try to tell me i'm retarded no you're fucking retarded you're in the computer are you in the computers yeah you're fucking retarded Case closed. <laughs> What's this guy still talking about? Get him out. Get him a Sprite and get him out of here. <laughs> Sprite, get him out of here. Here's your helmet. I, yeah. I like Sprite. Yeah, of course you fucking do. Just slam, just slam that helmet on you. Put you on a bike with with training wheels. Just push you out. Push you out. Push you out. Just you just go straight into like the elevator, like <laughs> down like a flight of stairs. <laughs> I think it's just that one. It's like sometimes it's that thing where you see stuff. You're like, when you see the characters, like the one I relate to, which also sort of reminds me of almost that that joke that's in like, I think it's in like one of the guys talking about a mall rats or whatever, like we're one of the panels and whatnot or something. He's like, he's like, and there up on the screen, there's my guy that I relate to, um, fucking Jason Lee in mall rats, and then I'm watching Chasing Amy, and here he is, and he wants to do, you know, go out and have a threesome with his best buddy. Like, you no, know, what does that say about me? You're fucking gay. <laughs> hey man, hey man, just embrace it, you know. Yeah, it's one of those. Just that I guess I guess I just got I guess got to brace being retarded. You know what I mean? I'm just carry say, a sprite around and just you know whatever. I don't I don't care. 
that the the hyper fix, fixation on the ninjutsu at the lack of ninjutsu aspect is a very is a very autistic thing. <laughs> it bothered me so much. That's all, that's all I thought about watching it. There, you know, it was one of those things. But but yeah, turtles. Yeah. Well, we're we're just we're not gonna agree on that one, but yeah, no, I get you. But yeah, next one. Were we on five? Uh, yeah. So five, I chose Silent Night. So I picked the movie where nobody talks. I wanted to see that. That's another one I missed. But yeah, this yeah, was John Woo's new movie. Movies, you told me. Yeah, yeah. Well, it kind of just like when you watch the trailer, um, it said it in there, and that was what I was kind of excited about. But I didn't. It was going to be literally a silent picture. Like, I know it says Silent Night and whatever in the title. I just thought that was just that thing. But, like, so it is kind of like a bread and butter revenge flick. You know, it's literally one of those ones where, like, a dude's he's out there hanging out with his family on Christmas Eve and some, like, you know, 90s gangbanger Mexican guys come by. It's like, it felt like John Woo was like, when was the last time you saw, like, you know, a villain? Well, the 90s. I came to America <laughs> and this is what they had. <laughs> you know, it was straight Grand Theft Auto San Andreas time period. So that's that's all it stuck with my mind. <laughs> they were driving by, listening to some form of hip hop slash, you know, Mexican music. And uh, yeah, that, that was what I took in from This Must Be America. Writes it down. <laughs> well, okay, let, let's go shoot Hard Target with John claude Van Damme. <laughs> but um so it has like these very old school like villains in it that, yeah feel like they're straight out of like san andreas um and there's a drive-by shooting this is just two dudes just driving by shooting each other back and forth and then they accidentally shoot the dude's kid and then they shoot him in the throat or he goes for revenge to get him just starts chasing after him but in the process he gets shot in the throat and that's how he loses his voice and he's in the hospital for i don't know six months to a year and then he just goes on this hardcore like year training of being like, no way, I'm going to fucking kill all these guys. And what I really like about it is, well, these movies, yeah, they kind of do it, but then they kind of get to the point. This one focuses a lot more on the training part. It really, you know, shows a lot of his training, like from gunplay to just doing like working out in like his garage and whatnot like that and setting up and getting progressively farther and farther. Like not just like a five minute Rocky montage or something like that. Like, no, that's like half an hour of the movie is like the training or something like that. He goes out and drives, you know, he gets he kind of gets a car and he soups it up kind of John Wick style, you know, but he goes out and does all this practicing with it. It shows a lot of the scenes like that and so on. He gets better and better and better and plan he's crossing off the days on the calendar coming up be like i'm gonna do it on fucking christmas merry fucking christmas to you too you know one of those kind of ones but there's no talking which i think is just interesting and it's weird because like he gets shot in the throat so he can't talk but everybody else is kind of like you know what you know let's be nice to john's feelings we won't talk either we don't want to make him feel like you know <laughs> he's discouraged or anything so nobody else talks either they, they kind of the only i guess somewhat form of talking there's like some radio chatter like off a of police radio and maybe some background TV stuff, but that's like it. No characters talk. Never, never do throughout the entire thing. So it gives it a very cool artistic kind of way, which I, I was kind of like, oh, this is neat, you know? And then you bring it up with all the John Woo action scenes as it kind of starts going down, and that's badass. And what I kind of like is he's the guy, so even though he's done all this training and he's gotten better and better and better and better and better, he still has never done it really yet. You know what I mean? It's all theory, training and theory, training and theory. So, like, when it does go down, it's like, shit doesn't, like, like you know, he's kind of going off, like, okay, here's, here's like, what you're supposed to do. And then when stuff kind of goes wrong, it's like, oh, shit, now I'm in kind of a, a crapped up situation right here. And now I got to kind of figure this out. And now I got to kind of, you know, experiment and figure things out and kind of go about that style, which I think kind of made for some different and unique styles with, you know, once again, bread and butter, you know, core storyline. But all the little things in between changed up a bit. 
Yeah, um, I didn't see the movie, but uh, you, you are selling me on it. That said, I do think I'm not sure if it started with A Quiet Place or maybe even that movie, The Artist. But I feel like there's been like that big second wave of movies of like mainstream movies where like, let's have minimal talking. Let's try and make it as quiet picture, because even my first movie on my list, um, No One Will Save You. Like other than like one line in the movie, there's maybe some background chatter or a song playing. There's a part where the girl is practicing dancing and she's kind of like 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 muttering the lyrics to her, but no actual real dialogue. You know what I mean? Like um, so, it's kind of um, here in this movie does that. Like I think it, sometimes it can come across kind of pretentious, but if it can do it good, then what, sometimes I'm kind of like someone who's thinks of himself, I don't have to sound pretentious, but somebody thinks of himself as a writer to one extent or another to think about like, man, this would be a lot easier if I had to put in all this fucking dialogue. <laughs> you, know, you, want, you see these kind of movies and then you'd be like, oh, wow, it's possible. Wait, that's the thing. It's it's totally a director movie, not a writer movie, if that yeah. makes sense. It's like, <laughs> that's like the one with the writer guy. Like, dude, what the fuck? I, got, I wrote a treatment of three pages. This is like a George Lucas movie, realistically, at the end of the day, if he didn't have somebody else write the script afterwards. Be like, turn in three pages and let's shoot. Yeah. George Lucas just throws like three or four pages over to somebody. Figure that shit out. Walks out. Yeah. But chucks a lot of cash behind him. Yeah. This is a grocery list, George. Yeah, you, you, you're talented, right? I'm paying, I'm paying you good money. <laughs> he says like, and then you drew a picture of buck rogers down here if you know firing a pancake gun i don't know what this is supposed to mean i like buck make rogers. it like pancakes. make it like this <laughs> faster and better <laughs> no so is it actually a christmas movie yeah it, it, it is sort of it's sort of a christmas movie i think it, it's like die hard is Kinda, yeah, but I would say Die Hard's still more Christmassy than this. This one just sort of happens like ninety percent of the movies doesn't happen on Christmas. It just happens to be he like, it's like well, this one's like, oh, you shot my kid on Christmas Eve. Guess what I'm doing on Christmas Eve next year? Well, Die Hard became kind of like a Christmas movie retroactively because that movie came out originally came out like in May or June or something like that. Like it, it was one of those things where the Christmas th the Christmas vibe and tone of it was meant to be kind of like just to contrast all the violence and make it kind of ironic and like, okay, it just happens to take place on Christmas. But then everyone just started like, Die Hard's Christmas movie, Die Hard's a Christmas movie. Like, fuck it, yeah, it's a Christmas movie now. You know, just got adopted as that. So yeah. this one, it, this one, not as much as Die Hard, but still kind of there, like the Christmas jingles and music and imagery and whatnot. Yeah, there's a little bit because well, when he's first doing his revenge, he's got like a Christmas sweater on, like you know. Okay. So there's a little bit of stuff there, but I would say it's one of those movies where there's a Christmas scenes, but the majority of it's not that. It's you know, it's just him, you know, training, thinking about the past, thinking about killing people, you know, doing all this stuff. And then when it goes to like the shootout at the end, because he teams up with like this like police lieutenant guy and whatnot like that and it goes full punisher i mean like it just feels like he's wearing like a trench coat and everything like that and he's fully loaded with armor and all kinds of guns and whatnot and as i said it's john woo action just to the extreme so you're getting all kinds of great stuff there and i'm just happy to see john woo make an american movie because i feel like he hasn't made one in feels like 15 years i'm just trying to think what the heck the last one was i know wind talkers would be one of the ones I, he must have something past that but everything else has been back to hong kong oh, for okay. a good while yeah, I have to I have to check that out. It's one I wanted to see, just missed it. But yeah, um, but yeah. So that's your number uh, five. That was five. Okay. 
Yeah, I, I really did want to check that one out. It just wasn't playing over here at the time. At least I don't think it was. Yeah, that one um, I at least was able to catch in theaters. It actually did make it. My number four is uh, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. This is where my, okay. for a little bit, my list is going to go a little bit of like, okay, we're back to the tights shit. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, Guardians of the Galaxy 3 was one of those ones. It was pretty, that was the good solid movie for Marvel in like, you know, their last five year run. Maybe it's not that long, three year run where it, nothing's been bad, but it's just been kind of like, everything's been like at that medium kind of like, yeah, it's like two and a half stars out of four. Like that's how a lot of the movies have kind of fared for a while where like, they're not bad. But if you didn't see it, you weren't missing out on anything either. You know, you could still since, enjoy it. Since Endgame, I think the only ones that have been pretty good have been like Black Panther 2, Spider-Man mm -hmm. 3, and Guardians of the yeah. Galaxy 3. Like, I think everything else has just been like, that was fun. Like, yeah, it, was, it was fun to like, that was okay. You know? Yeah. And um, 100%. I, I think one of the reasons why Guardians of the Galaxy 3 did was as good as it was is i mean it's not the only reason but um i think james gunn's a really good writer and a really good director and he's good at following through on themes and you know new like having nuance throughout it and all that and plus these are characters he obviously really cares about i think uh one reason why guardians 3 was as good as it was is because it's a series that um i have to kind of remind myself that it takes place in the marvel universe because i mean yeah they pump up in other people's movies but their standalone movies are kind of over here like we need on we need to see like Endgame or whatever to understand the whole gamora thing mm -hmm. but at the end of the day most of this most of their stuff is pretty contained just to them and it kind of feels just kind of like this grittier funnier star wars movie you know what i mean like the star mm -hmm. like this alternate star wars movie that's just a little bit more like a little, a little bit funnier and a little like, you know, like kind of feels more dirty dozen, you know? And, um, I, um, I just where guardians of galaxy two, I really like, I still feel like that one kind of leans a little too hard into the comedy at some points. I think this movie has that right, right, right balance. Like it still has, it's still at definitely an action comedy, but it doesn't like lean too hard into the comedy. There's no moment where I found myself growing, but at least I can remember where I found myself growing into the comedy. Plus the whole story with Rocket, like I was a little worried because like, oh, Rocket's gonna be out of half this or most of this movie. And it's because he's my favorite character and we're just gonna get the flashbacks here and there, but it still worked really well. Like, I don't know if I call this my favorite one, but um, there's a point where I liked one and two equally, but as time's gone on, even though I still really like two, I, I think I like one more. And I think maybe the third, this one behind, right behind one. But um, yeah, the action was really good. The story like kept on moving, a lot of funny interactions throughout it. Plus the, f plus the scenes, all the scenes with Rocket and the flashback and I think the other thing that really is effective about the whole rocket flashback sequences is because if you listen to the way they're talking and acting, it sounds like you, you, if you just like close your eyes, it just sounds like you're watching a stupid child's film. You know what I mean? Like mm. we're all a bunch of cute, cuddly animals. <laughs> but like the thing is, you know, it ends well. And if you look at how they look like, 
they look like they're in pain. The walrus has these weird things on his eyes that keep him open, that needs to close for him. The rabbit has no arms or legs, and it has these weird little spider legs sticking out of its back to make it walk. You know, they all look like they're in fucking pain, but they still have this very cheery optimism that everything's going to be okay. And you're like, well, fuck, you know, it's not. So then when they're all like talk about what they want to do, even though it's very basic storytelling it's cute cuddly animals like we're we're gonna be best friends forever like fuck yeah because you know that should be like in the playbook of like dude you're phoning it in like yeah but it really fucking works right here you know what's coming but it really like the part when he he has the full-on meltdown like the part when they're all dead and he's standing over them and he just like screams like it's not like a what'd you do like it's a very visceral just like scream and then he just like goes fucking hog on that motherfucker's face like like that movie i i just really enjoyed it and i thought all the drama worked too like when people say marvel's lost its touch um not everything this movie yeah. clearly loses touch i still think you just gotta like stop treating it so episodically and start treating them like movies again you know like i think you 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 do something like this this doesn't feel like an episode this feels like a movie um something like um black panther 2 didn't feel like an episode it felt like a movie so that's yeah. what you gotta do you gotta kind of make less of them and give them this kind of attention. So, yeah. Yeah. Give them more of that. Give them more depth. Cause that was one thing that made this one nicer over a lot of the other, cause a lot of the other Marvel ones, it's like they've come like, they sort of like flatline where it's one of those ones. They just sort of use like this works a couple flashy scenes here. You know, it's, it feels like no one's trying any, they're trying not to make anything sophisticated. It feels like that went out the window. They're just yeah. like, let's just make it kind of dumb popcorn fun you know, make a quick buck and get out to the next one. And yeah, where this one had elements to it. There is a lot of good stuff in it. Yeah. I don't remember anything really wrong with it either. I kind of, I enjoyed it. It You know, probably didn't make my list, but it still was really solid. I still enjoyed it a lot. You know, Mm -hmm. Um, I probably liked it more in two as well. Um, But yeah, it was a good one overall. And that brings us to your number four. So we're on four. So my number four is uh, Godzilla minus zero or minus one. Minus one. That was a really good movie. Yeah, I'm so glad I saw that. Yeah, I'm just so glad that one actually came to theaters. And that's a perfect example of like, see what happens when you actually don't get cold feet and you actually show the movie and you show it like the way that like God intended and Japanese and everything like that. And like you don't try to dub it or something like that. And then it still makes a, you know, gangbusters of cash like that's that's what i mean it's like it's kind of it was like it's like the dragon ball z thing it's like kind of like when they started bringing the dragon ball z movies and they're like oh sure we didn't realize that was going to make a lot of money it's like yeah you you could have probably done this in 1998 too and it would have worked just as good but you just didn't yet you know you waited you waited you waited and then when it finally happened you're like see there it is there's the money you could have had this early you could have had this for a long time and something about this movie Because we've said on this podcast before, like sometimes it's like I'm gonna I'm gonna use another example, and um, I think now maybe it's when you're getting older, you just have appreciation for the retro things. I remember sometimes people saying like, <clears throat> and I kind of feel like it this this way to a certain extent, but like sometimes like you know what they need to have a Superman movie where he just fucking fights someone. You don't need to have a Superman movie where he's always like just stopping a plane from falling or catching trains or whatever. I'm like. 
I think you could still do that, but at the time I was like, yeah, yeah, no, I kind of, I, I think we need to have Superman start smacking some fuckers. And now, but then at the same time though, um, to make that comparison, I was kind of like, okay, Godzilla attacks some shit. Let's have a monster come out and fucking wreck some shit. And that like, you know, have these monsters go at it, you know? And I, I still kind of lean that way. But in this case of the movie, I feel like, this is one of those examples where, like, all right, well, this is how you do it. If you're going to do man versus Godzilla, this is the way you fucking do it. You don't do like, I mean, because Shin Godzilla was that too, and that was really good, but at least it kept you on your toes because Godzilla kept on changing until it became closer to Godzilla we knew. Where this right here, it's also like a, um, it's just it's it's in a time period we haven't seen since probably the first Godzilla or second Godzilla really, and then even like, earlier um, technically. Yeah, yeah. Because the and first then, Godzilla is fifty four, so this takes oh, place in like forty. Oh, that's fifty four. 48 like, or 49 yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's pretty much post-world war ii which i feel, feel like it's one of those ones like america yes you drop nuclear bombs but remember you also firebombed tokyo and killed four hundred thousand plus people yeah don't you forget that now like that's what they really <laughs> remind me of and they're not even to shit talking america that much throughout the movie which surprised me you know what i mean no, i they're felt like very... they, they did it without having to say it but it's just one of those ones like you know what you did <laughs> you you look and you're like yeah i've Place is made out of paper and wood, fucking idiots. Drop some firebombs on them. I'll show them. <laughs> I just, the idea of like, well, somebody had to drop a flaming bomb on my house the other day. They just turn and look at the camera. They just go back. <laughs> like, I'll, I'll say that, like, it's interesting because, you know, you, you get invested into the, like, the, the the war drama and the, the atrocities of the everyday person living after a war surviving through a war and then there's even the level of like something else i'm so glad this movie did and it was also kind of like a jump scare but in a good way which is like the beginning of godzilla comes in like the first like five or ten minutes of this movie yeah. and it's not like a what's that it's just like a they're, they're stomping, they're stomping. Okay, we're going to see like some fire breath, we're going to see a tail, and then like, what destroyed everything? And there's just a flashlight, boom, bitch, you know? And it's just like, it's like he's there. We get good side of him. It's just like, you know why you're fucking here. Why are we going to wait 30 or 40 fucking minutes to show this thing's, the back of this thing's head? No, fuck that. We're gonna, you know why you're here. It's on the fucking poster. Exactly. Well, I felt like I said that thing too in Japan. I was just like, no fucking way are we going to let America just start running the Godzilla train, you know, if like the last three or four movies, you know. And of course, America's like, they pop this trailer out real quick. Like, wait a second. We got one coming too. Godzilla versus King Kong 2 coming right at you. Don't forget about America now. Which I'll still, I'll still see that. Sure. Oh, yeah, don't be wrong. Like, and those ones of like, they, they progress. Like the first Godzilla that they did, like not the 98 American one, but the of the new ones. Um, like that's like one of those ones where it's like there's like 15 minutes in the movie that's amazing, and then the rest of it you're just kind of waiting to get to that 15 minutes pretty much. That's that's kind of how it is. Like the, the 15 minutes is top tier, four out of four, but you have to wait for it with a bunch of kind of stupid. It, it, it pulls the classic. Here's a bunch of dumb characters you don't care about. Even Brian Cranston's like, I don't even know. Do you, do you need to care about me? I'm I'm here, but I'm just paid to be here. Like, you, you, maybe if I was writing Godzilla's back, it would change everything, but I'm not. <laughs> Well, it's like maybe if you like got like a like a like a like a shrink ray or something, and you turn me big, and I got to fight Godzilla like bare fisted or whatever. Oh. Yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> 
it just goes like full like 60s 70s godzilla movies where like they have like the saturday morning cartoon feel <laughs> he's like i'll be like ultraman fighting godzilla but it's just brian cranston just a regular tire just runs a godzilla clothesline and tries to do a suplex <laughs> that, that, that would make it yeah you know but those movies did as i was saying they picked up steam as they went on because godzilla king of monsters was pretty darn solid of course the king kong ones have all been good um, and then the Godzilla versus King Kong was great too. So I think that was the thing Japan's like, no fucking way. We're, we're going to top this bitch. We're going to show them classic Godzilla the way it needs to be. Even though it's it's kind of a remake of the original, but it's also like in a weird way, sort of a prequel in some odd way because it takes place earlier than 54, but it takes place, you know, whatever. You know, that's why, it's my, that's, why that, that, that's why we got the Evangelion style title here on this Godzilla. <laughs> Just I to confuse like- you. Well, I feel like they, they, they have multiple Godzilla timelines, and I think this is just a new timeline. But um, <clears throat> I think so too, but I also think, though, because going back to what you said, the first Godzilla, because this is, I mean, it is similar to like the like 2014, 2015 American Godzilla in the way of like Godzilla has a handful of scenes, and then we're focusing on this family. But the everyday people are so much more interesting and yep. so much more like. I care more about them. Like I really want to, cause the guy, cause the main character of the movie is a kamikaze pilot who did not kill himself. Couldn't bring it. And he was just like, where are you going to fucking lose? Why do I have to fucking die for a government that wants, that's going to fucking lose anyway. I don't believe in this shit. Why am I doing this? You know? And then, um, yeah, that one lady, like, like that old lady, that old, I like that with old lady, like, you know, if you would have just flown your plane into the American death star, this would have been over right now. <laughs> You'd have a statue here. Granted, it'd be made of wood. Probably would have caught on fire. Yeah, during the fire bombings, but but at the same time, that's how she acts. She she acts like that guy's job was like fucking Luke's mission to blow up the Death Star, and all he had to do was crash that plane once. All America would have went away. Like all he had to do is all he had to do was actually be the proton torpedo, not not shoot it. He had to be it. That's all he had. He had to be it, and he had to fly in there, and that would have been it. You know, yeah. And Eisenhower would have flown away in his plane, you know, coming back to the van. Just <laughs> like Dart is like Darth Vader. <laughs> but, but that's how it is. It's like, yeah, yeah. I'm thinking, sure, Roosevelt. Little... I'm thinking, I'm thinking Roosevelt. No, I'm thinking Roosevelt wrong away. Oh, yeah, yeah. Roosevelt. Well, I think it's towards the end of the war. So that's why I went. Yeah, yeah. No, I drew. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, but but yeah, yeah. it's like, I, I like it. It's like, yeah, yeah. That my, my one crash of a plane would have made the world of a difference. Yeah, yeah. yeah fucking what if? Guess what? Tokyo would still be here. My family would be here. You wouldn't be here, but everybody else would be here. Put that on your shoulder. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But there's also like um, the whole thing with the with the family with with because like you actually kind of even that lady I was like fuck that bitch you know and then it's, she comes on she kind of grows on you like oh she just lost her whole family she's gone a little fucking crazy she kind of slowly comes back and you start to care about the family you start to care about the people he's working with there's even some humor in the movie like you you think like how are they gonna find humor in like post world war ii japan you know in a firebomb city with godzilla is like oh you just oh you're setting that's a nice building you're trying to set up you know but then like um but then like um you're like how are you gonna find humor and they, there's still some moments they managed to pull that off like I, I there's a scene there's no way around it. it is blatantly a homage to jaws there's no way around it and yeah. that's probably one of the best scenes of the movie and there's even a part where like they do the whole movie thing like we gotta do it 
because no one else is here. You know, there's a little rink-a-dink little boat. And then all of a sudden, Godzilla jumps up and, like, noms on this giant, on, like, this big-ass, like, like Japanese naval boat. It just goes under. They just look at each other like, fuck this. And they go back the other way. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the thing. It's, like, it's just, like, it, it simplifies Godzilla back to, like, its core roots, but just does it so well. Like, you're invested the whole way through there. I think it's the thing. They're all good characters. It's still got a copious amount of action in it and so on like that. Plus, it's got real-world story mixed in with Godzilla destroying stuff. And then I even just like the way that Godzilla moves in it because, like, he's all fast and agile when he's in the water. But the second he gets on land, they put him into, like, classic almost, like, guy in a suit walking Godzilla where he's slow and he's tromping, but he's still just, like, unstoppable kind of that thing. He's coming in like an AT-AT, like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, he might not be going that fast, but you're not going to stop him and he's going to destroy everything along the way. Well, I thought it was interesting because, you know, I think a lot of times they make him like even when he's big and chunky, they still make him like moving like how you expect something to move. But there's something unsettling about like when he's like it's it's obviously like a throwback to like the dude in the suit. But at the same time, when he's just walking and he has slow steps at a time and he's just kind of going, it's kind of like you're not reason. It's not this thing that can be reasoned with. It's a stupid fucking animal, but it's a stupid fucking animal that can wipe us all out. So just yeah. this thing of like, boom, 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 motherfucker. <laughs> and, you know, that God, I pissed it off, you know. So it's kind of like in that in itself, like the thing that doesn't show emotion, but this thing that's all just like fire and death at the same time like but, but like so like the lack of mobility i i think worked to his effect because it's just like i'm taking my time why the fuck am i rushing i'm godzilla bitch yeah well it's just that thing too where i feel like it's also he's, he's really an aquatic animal and yeah. he's on land he just has to slow down like he's just not used to that he's like oh i got my land legs on <laughs> you know <laughs> a little wobbly here <laughs> But don't don't mind me stammering through here and then you know then they play the godzilla theme which is one of the best themes of all time like that that one never gets old like it's always yeah. one of those ones you, you get so pumped when you hear it you get like you know the hair stand up and everything you're like fuck yeah Plus you know, it no matter what godzilla it is it's like yeah come on that's so cool it's also like really because sometimes you just think like you hear that theme you're just like oh godzilla's here to show up you know but now you hear that thing in this kind of like oh it's actually fucking scary this is a scary godzilla because sometimes you find yourself rooting for godzilla like i'm not really scared of godzilla in the new american ones because we want him to see see him beat the other monsters and he has a lot more emotion but there's something about a godzilla with no emotion but it's still just all that like fire and destruction that is like and you hear that theme like oh we're fucked you know (laughs) Yeah, well, Godzilla's one of those kind of ones that's like, he's like the proto, like, just like Freddy or Jason for, as, as time goes on, they almost become the good guy that you root for, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? It's funny they made a movie where it's like, you had like Jason, and it's like, he's here to protect us all. Is that going to happen eventually? Is that one I of them? Know, I kind of wonder, but I feel like that could happen. It might, might as well happen, because let's be honest, nobody's going to cheer for anybody but Jason in the movie. <laughs> like, Jason, that poor, that poor kid, he, he was bullied and thrown in the water and now he's back to for revenge and apparently in the water he was able to like pump iron for 20 years and get jacked <laughs> he was down there with Aquaman working out it was that radioactive mine or whatever it was he was strapped to he was just bench pressing that whole time yeah exactly it was like his, his mom is a spotter he, he, he really loves his mother yeah yeah <laughs> to a questionable level yeah to a, yeah yeah a dangerous one, but um, but yeah, God, that Godzilla movie was just so good. Like everything about it was just like pure, like four out of four, 
solid. Like it's just that one. Like it's the movie that just needed to come out. I felt like, you know, I mean, that's like someone's like, there's like 60 fucking Godzilla movies. What do you mean that one just needed? Like this variation of it just kind of needed to come out, needed to hit hard. Don't be streaming only. I'm so glad it went full theaters, you know, wide release. Um, yeah, all that stuff, you know, it's just so nice. Yeah, fantastic flick. And I guess that comes to my number three. Uh, my number three is Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. Ah, oh, the good old Spider-Verse. That, that, that was no, I kind of forgot about that movie, oddly enough. Like, I almost felt like that was last year, but I just like, no, it just was May or something like that. But um, that one was still pretty solid. Like, I, I felt like I didn't like it as fully as the first one. Maybe because it was just a little bit, had that just a little bit of the extended feel that a lot of movies this year had, where many movies this year all felt like they had an extra 20 to 30 minutes in it that you probably didn't necessarily need. Not that it was bad, but it just kind of like, you know, bloated the film a little bit. You know, it's it's like that one, like I couldn't tell you, just like you said of Killers of Flower Moon, I couldn't tell you what you could exactly cut out, but since it's a Spider-Man one, I felt like, and since it's a part two or a part one to part two one, it probably could have been two hours instead of like two hours and 40 minutes or whatever it was. It was two hours and 20, but yeah. Was it that? Like, I thought it was longer than that for some reason. No, it was two and 20. Okay. Well, it still, it, it did feel long, but it was still good. Don't get me wrong. I've had a chance to watch that movie because it's on, it's on Netflix now. And I've had a chance to watch it a few times since the theaters. I think I've seen it fully three times because I remember walking out of it thinking like, I liked it, not as much as the first one, but I, I got to try and roll this over in my head. And then the more I've watched it, the more I've liked it. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think I can fully say I like it as much as the first one. Cause the first one's like a perfect movie with like no fat on it. Um, yeah. This is still like a more ambitious movie than the first one. And still a very good movie. And then like all the action hits hard, all the drama hits hard. The, um, animation is fantastic the music's fantastic like i can't really find anything to really complain about the movie other than i I understand why it's it's the empire strikes back that's why but it does have like that it does have that um ending that um see you see you in a year kids and i understand that i kind of knew that going into it so getting that and I feel like when I first saw the movie, I did feel a little like kind of like, how do I put this? Like exhausted, not because it was bad or like, oh man, that was a slog, but just because it was like sensory overload and it moved so yeah. fast. And it was like a two hour like spider punk. It's just like, whoa, whoa, whoa. You, you can like tone that down a bit. Cause is, is there some you know, like volume knobs on there that like makes them look a little bit more like normal? Yeah. Like, no, I think Hobie's an awesome character, but I was like, okay, all right, just, just pick, just pick a shade, stop switching between black and white and then complete color. And then like, I know you're doing the sex pistols things. I get it. But you know, but after watching it, like, again, like I found myself liking it a lot more. I mean, I already really liked it, but I found myself Mm -hmm. liking it a lot more. And I guess if the third one sucks, the third one sucks, but I can at least say the second one is still a really fun movie. So, and if, if it, um, the third one is as good or is better then I would say, okay, that maybe I'll like the second one more. Cause the thing about us, the second movie in a series is second movie that ends on a cliffhanger. The problem with that is like, well, if the third one sucks, what's the point of this? But I can say there's enough about this. That's already really fun and really engaging characterization of miles the back and forth of miguel o'hara 
the um <clears throat> the aspect of like you know because in the first one gwen stacy seemed like the cool chick with all the answers in this we get to see her flawed we get to see her more of her story um mm. the levels of like the undertones of this film that have things that aren't spelled out for you but are right there you know very like you know there's even kind of like i feel like a lesser movie would talk about like a, a lesser movie with more of ham-fisted writing would talk about like who's this white bitch coming in and trying to you know but in this what there, there, there's a little bit more of like she's not saying the first name but she doesn't even she's not she's calling us by our first names i also bet she doesn't even speak spanish like small small little things like that that kind of like stack up you know you know what i mean and just yeah. like oh i could that's totally real i, I totally see you know so it's kind of like i i this movie like all the characters I found to be likable. All the everything about it was fun. Like, yeah, I just uh, I really dug this film, and I hope the third one doesn't drop the ball. I don't think it will. I think yeah. it's gonna be. Uh, I think they're gonna knock it out of the park with that one, and I look forward to um, Prowler Miles, the next one. Yeah, well, it's like that one that Sony's got. Like, this the one's like it's, it's ironic because Sony's the one that always gets the shit for all their movies, and that's like then they make one of the most sophisticated like superhero <laughs> movies in like the last while. I think that Sony really overlooked what they were doing. Like, just make whatever the fuck you want. We don't care. It's some stupid, silly kids shit. We're gonna we'll be doing we'll be over here making Morbius. Like, all right, yeah. yeah, you guys go do that. You know, we'll be making Venom one, two, and three. Like, <laughs> Okay, and Craven, Craven's going to be rated R. Like, oh, that's nice, I guess. You know, so it's like, you know, what else is rated R? What a bunch of other fucking movies. So, yeah. Oh, it's Craven. It's rated R. Like, I don't fucking care. It's a Craven yeah. movie. Shit. Yeah. If Spider-Man's not there to fight Craven, I feel like here's the thing. You you want a good Craven story? Apparently, go play Spider-Man Two: The Game. Craven's one of the yeah. major major villains in that one. And guess what? Both Spider-Mans are in it. Problem yeah. solved. <laughs> yeah i mean we'll see i mean i mean i'm not gonna i'm not gonna waste my time with morbius if i hear craven is good then i'll probably wait for streaming or something but like i, I doubt it will yeah. be you never oh know I'll, 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 I'll give a little bit of the benefit of doubt maybe somebody will just just get in the right hands you know I'm, but I'm, I'm not my hold my breath i guess i'll say that well he's like he's he's also like he has like the the instincts of an animal and he has like he's like a he 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 defends animals he's not he's not a poacher he's he defends animals like he's hunting down people it's like it's not craven but okay <laughs> you know? yeah. so, so sometimes it's like, yeah, like there's a time and a place but like yeah it's like i mean that, that's like they're trying to make him like poison ivy because that's like poison ivy i feel is it's like she's not really a villain she's actually trying to protect the earth she just goes so far overboard that she becomes a psychopath in a sense and like yeah where it's like okay you, you start off doing the right thing and now you're trying to like destroy everything. She's more of an anti-villain, but more of an anti-hero by this point in in DC because she even kind of yeah. like she like there be times where her and Batman are in the same room and they shoot each other a glance, and that's all. It's that like because now Batman's on good terms with Harley, so you know it all yeah. changes. Well, I feel like it's like back in the old days. It's like it's like yeah, she's in the plants, fucking bitch, <laughs> <laughs> stupid fucking hippie. <laughs> yeah, I, I felt like that's how it ran for the longest time, and then they realized like, oh no, we, we can make her like Captain Planet, like an eco terrorist kind of. Go, thing. go back to your fucking Grateful Dead concert, you stupid fucking. <laughs> twat it's like the one where like bruce wayne he's like and bruce wayne signs off on a lumber project that you know build you know a thousand more acres for real estate and uh for a new mall <laughs> and, then that, then, just, like, and then like boys and ivy would come in to try to fight him there and uh then bruce wayne would be like i'm putting you back in your place 
the, 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 the newspaper of the spinning headline. It's just like a picture of Bruce Wayne, like pissing on like a stump of like a 800 year old redwood, like flipping the bird. <laughs> <laughs> Taking a dump yes. on it, doing two thumbs up. <laughs> But yeah, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. <laughs> yeah, no, so that that one was pretty. I think once it's a trilogy, I think it will probably be. It's one of those ones. As I said, if the, the, my only, I mean, I enjoyed it pretty thoroughly from what I remember. Um, as I said, I felt like it, it, it just had that same problem that so many movies this year had, where it was just everything felt like it was just a tad bit longer than they needed to be. I mean, that's the same thing, Mission Impossible, even John Wick, and it's like it's not that they're bad movies; they were just a little bit like they just tone it back maybe just a bit i don't know maybe, I, I found, maybe that maybe that ruins it who knows i found with knowing where where it's going i found like it wasn't exactly a short movie but knowing where it ends and where it's going i kind of understand why all the pieces are there like I, there's everything in that movie like the first one is crucial information it's just different pacing from the first one but it, it, yeah. i get what you mean though but um okay what are we going on number three now three yeah <clears throat> so my number three is the iron claw i really wanted to see that that was like oh. one of the movies i wanted to see the most this year well that was that one once this trailer started coming out i was like oh that there's a von eric movie like and i, I remember that you know i like you know watching the von eric's course like well you know reruns of, because they're they're all like the 80s 70s and 80s but um there was a really good documentary that came out in the 2000s that wwe put out on kind of the von erics and it had the fabulous Freebirds and a handful of the other guys all in that texas kind of um you know um section of wrestling that part and that was the time period too i think it was it was even like when me and marshall were living in like uh nashville we would we just watched like a wrestling documentary like every day before going to the gym just to get all pumped up and so on so we went through all of them because when netflix was really good when they didn't have a bunch of like shit Netflix original programs and all that kind of stuff. And actually just, it had a lot like a ginormous selection. And I remember, I remember cause we were watching it on Cisco's profile and then he like changed his password. I'm like, dude, what are you doing? What are you doing? Change your password. He's like, he's like, there was a bunch of wrestling stuff that came up on there. I was like, that was me. <laughs> <laughs> you know? And, um, and I remember going through, like, it was just like one of those ones. I was just doing like a huge catch up because it's like, okay, this was like a perfect time. It was like, they put out all these documentaries and so on like that. And you could catch up on all the classic wrestling stuff. And the Von Eris was one of them. And when they kind of had this drama one coming out, I was like, oh, dude, I, I'm, I'm stoked to see this. And, you know, the other ones, too, it's Zac Efron. He's, I think he's going to be our next, like, Leonardo DiCaprio as time goes on. I really do think he's that guy that everyone's like, oh, fuck this pretty boy. Like, you know, they, they're giving him all that shit. You know, and ironically, he's literally like the same age as us. I, I, for some reason, I used, to, I used to always think he was younger, but he was born in like 87. Because like, he was in those he was in those high school musical movies. So that's why, yeah. that's why we got off on that like, fuck this guy. And then Leo was like a heartthrob. So like all the girls like Leo, like, Titanic. Guy. Titanic is so good dick. And now and then like you see him in enough movies like he's actually good in this. He's good in that, too. You know, I, I feel Kurt Russell probably got that back in the day, back in the 60s. He'd be like, Kurt Russell, this, he's in all the Disney movies, like the computer wars, sneakers and all this stuff. Like, who cares? And then it's like Escape from New York comes out. It's like, oh, I changed my mind on that guy. <laughs> yeah, like Brad Pitt. And you suddenly had like, oh, fuck this pretty boy asshole. And then all of a sudden he's like Fight Club, Troy. Like, never mind. He's cool. Yeah. Funny thing about Brad Pitt, even though he he did have that same thing too, but he had a, his earlier movies are almost like the other way around because he has a... Yeah, well, he has either like hard dramas, or he has a lot of like uh like hill the old fashioned hillbilly Brad Pitt movies. Mm -hmm. 
Euphoria spelled with a K. And then there's another one he has with Juliet Lewis. I can't remember. It's a made for TV one, but it's almost like in that exact same vein where you get an old hillbilly Brad Pitt living in a trailer, drinking beer, beating his wife. You get yeah. that Brad Pitt too. You, get <laughs> you cool don't see as often. Yeah, I think at Cool World One and so on, but um, but I, I legitimately think Zac Efron because I remember when he came out in Baywatch, that was like it sounds like a weird one, but it's like okay, I'm seeing it for for the Rock, you know, and then you're like, well, Zac Efron, I remember like watching, I was like, well, his body looks pretty good, you know, God, he's put some effort in there and so on. Like, I, I give him credit for that workout regime, you know, what I mean, I don't put the shirt back on, keep it off, you know, like one of those ones. It's good for everybody. And, uh, I, I like how that's like, what, what, what turned you over that? Well, I, I saw his abs and I was like, those seem legitimate. It seemed like he legitimately earned those, you know, those aren't like, you know, surgery or like drugs. That's, you know, maybe a little bit of drugs, but you know, whatever. But, um, and this one here, it's like, dude, he's like super, he's like eighties jacks, like seventies, eighties Jack. And he's looking good. And he, you know, he's one of those ones. He's looking like kind of Kevin Von Eric and everything like that. Pretty solid. And they use him as sort of the main character, you know, and then the other brothers sort of circle around. They're, they're missing one brother for some reason. I can't remember exactly what his name is, but I remember that. I was like, oh, <laughs> like one just sort of gets like, eh, we, you know what? We, we got enough brothers as is. And I think the movie kind of says something like, well, we, there's just so much tragedy. It's like, do we want to add one more tragedy to all this? You know, because that's like kind of the thing about that story. I remember when watching the documentary back in the day. Is it like, it's one of those ones where it's like, it's real life, but it's is that one that's like, there's constant death and tragedy as things go on. You know what I mean? And it's been a family where the, the father was a wrestler and he struggled to provide for his family, but then he sort of got it going and just good enough. And everybody else joined the family business and they were keeping it going, you know? And, and in the movie, they, they definitely make the father seem like he's a little bit harder. Like, you know, like he's trying to do right, but it almost makes it have like sort of a little bit more like, dad, you pushed our brothers too far. And then I was listening to a talk as Jericho podcast where it had Kevin Von Eric and his sons on there. And they're like, yeah, they made our dad a little bit more, or our dad and grandpa seem a little bit more hardcore than he really was. He was actually like the greatest guy ever, but you know, that's how a movie is. You got to have the hard drama. Yeah, yeah. No, I get you. I, that's a movie I really wanted to see, and I and I saw that at the top of a lot of people's list. But yeah, it's you know, great wrestling scenes in it. I mean, God, like it's like they put the effort into it. It looks really good. They got a handful of other classic wrestlers in there, like Harley Race is in there. Ric Flair. Ric Flair has an amazing scene. Um, well, Ric Flair, somebody playing Ric Flair. But um, yeah, just because yeah, Ric Flair is just like one of the coolest guys ever. But um, yeah, just everything about it just kind of goes through. I'm about like early 70s, watching these guys' career go. Um, I mean, if there's one little complaint, I wish I had just maybe a little bit more wrestling. It does focus a little bit more on the drama than the wrestling, but the, when it yeah. does have wrestling, it's great. I mean, it's kind of in like a similar category as uh, the wrestler in a sense, maybe not as dark and dreary as that movie is though. Ironically, I, that movie makes me feel uplifted at the same time. Like I, I don't know feature why. Kind of thing. Yeah. That's, that's like one of those weird movies. I remember when I told someone like, dude, like that movie came out, I watched it like seven or eight times. And they're like, how the hell could you watch that multiple times? I don't know. It, it kind of puts a smile on my face. Like I get it. Like it makes sense. But this one sort of like, other than the fact that, there's a lot of death and all the, you know, the brothers passing away and so on like that. I mean, spoilers, I guess, but it's kind of, I a, sort of I, I, a wrestling tragedy. It does. So, you know, for Kevin Von Eric, you know, Zach Efron's character, um, it has sort of worked like, you know, it has come full circle. He's still doing good. His kids wrestling or a couple of the kids wrestling AEW nowadays, um, you know, and they, they keep, they keep the kind of like the joy alive, but it's a very interesting story. Like, I think it's one of the ones you don't have to, I mean, if you like classic 70s, 80s wrestling, yes, that adds a lot more to it. But 
I think story wise, it's, it's great as is. You know what I mean? And Zach Efron, I think he's he's going to be the he's going to be the new Leo. He is totally going to be the new Leo. Like I'm not really in, in, interested in wrestling, but I think always the autobiographical stories behind it's always pretty interesting. So mm-hmm. that in itself, and yeah, I, I don't know. You don't got to tell me who or how. I figured. I just saw, like, I just heard people talk about, oh, this movie's really tragic, oh, this movie's really sad. And I see there's, like, a dad pushing his sons, and there's, like, 18 brothers. I'm like, well, one of them's going to fucking die. So, you know, but, like, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I I really wanted to see that movie this year. But I'm glad to hear you say, someone who is a proper wrestling fan, saying, no, it's not just the typical, like, you know, typical shit, but it is really good, so... Yeah, yeah, no, it, it's well worth checking out. Um, yeah, as I said, I really enjoyed it. And I felt it was once. Now I feel of Zac Efron, you just put him in the hands of like a Martin Scorsese, you know, or a Tarantino or something like that. And I think he could be an impressive powerhouse. I think that's what that's the next step he sort of needs is you just need to give him one of those big directors. And, you know, I, I think he, he's on the road to being that guy. Leo just can't pick up the phone. Like, you know, he's going you know, <laughs> to wonder if, like, he's doing uh, – like, also, I think Efron's going to have to be willing to let himself – because it took Leo a while to will, let himself be, like, an ugly or dorky guy in a movie. I mean, in, like, like his more recent stuff. But, like, um, for a while, though, because he was still, like, yeah, you're doing some art, heavy, heavy acting – but, you know, like it took him a how long before you just go and like, I'm earnest, you know? Just like, <laughs> yeah, well, because he's like, he's still like the pretty boy, like in Blood Diamonds and all that kind of stuff yeah. that just happens to be still a tragic, you know, movie of, you know, real he's life cool. events. Like we're in like Killers of the Flower Moon where he's doing like his, he's doing like his, uh, his rate, he's, he's doing his like his redneck grumpy cat impersonation in the whole movie, you know? So, <laughs> but it worked. It worked. <laughs> <laughs> yes yeah, so totally doing that oh my gosh but yeah okay what are we on two we're on two uh this is going to help speed it up a little bit uh my number two is godzilla minus one godzilla minus one such a good movie such a good book well, well if that's your number two my number two is tetris you saw tetris ah that i did i literally got a free apple account just so i could watch that well they were like for like black friday or christmas or one or the other they were like here you get three months free of apple to, you know and it's like i just want it for tetris and of course since it's apple it's kind of a pain in the ass to get like and i feel if you have all your stuff macintosh you know and all that stuff it's probably not bad at all but like when you're trying to get it like on an amazon device or something like that you gotta like fucking <laughs> do backflips and go through hoops just to, i'm like i just want let me pull up my iPad and okay, go on here. Yeah, like like I had to do all this just to get to it, but um, whatever. You know, I just don't have enough Apple devices to make it easy. I finally got it going, and um, and then you know, you, you kind of look through the, the, the Apple thing. It's, it looks like there's some interesting things on here. Like that Godzilla show looks. I'm kind of interested. I haven't watched it yet, but uh, I wouldn't mind giving that the old college try. You know, just because Godzilla. But um, that Tetris movie though, like. What you talked about it first too, and I was like, "Oh, I forgot about it." Because that was one of those movies like they announced it, and then once again, I think probably if you have if you get like the Apple newsletters and all that stuff, this stuff is probably all like there. You know what I mean? But it, it's like one of those things about Apple is if you're not in the club, it's almost like you have no idea what they're doing. You know what I mean? They they sort of do stuff like in like the secret Illuminati, like you know, a fucking giant Steve Jobs and Steve Wozniak statue looking down. Steve's like Steve Wozniak's like, "I'm not dead yet. I'm still here, guys, working." 
let's be honest like he had it willed to have it be a statue of him it could be a very of, of, of jobs a very small statue of like wozniak like arms out willing to hug you you know what i mean that's probably what wozniak, you ever notice that wozniak's head is right at the crotch level of steve jobs <laughs> jobs just has like the stern look like and no matter what part of the room you're standing in it looks like he's looking at you you know but he's like looking down with his hands on his hips you know like he did bad but um but no i actually i i just kind of saw like a youtube ad for it my god like, oh, it's on apple tv eventually we got apple tv i was like oh oh fuck i'm gonna watch this and yeah this i'll say i'll let you talk about the movie proper in a second i was just gonna say this almost made my list uh because you know i'll be honest this this thing's kind of interchangeable sometimes i feel like i could have flipped this movie with that movie this probably could have been like my nine or my ten um mm -hmm. i just thought you know what i already had blackberry on here i already had like a tech like tech like based on a true story rise to power thing and i already had another based on a true story thing on here killers of the flower moon so i just didn't want to bombard it with all that you know so yeah i had a lot of franchise stuff on here too but fuck it whatever keep it on brand i guess um but yeah no this movie could have very well been on my list because i really did enjoy this flick too yeah because this one i just thought it was really i mean i already like this i already know the story as is because i've just read through you know, a handful of video game, you know, history books, you know, generally if there's a, if there's a video game history book out there, I'll, I'll grab it. So it's like, it's the same thing with like computer history and so on like that. Like, I don't know how many, you know, Silicon Valley history books I've gone through, like, you know, channel from fifties to like the two thousands. And it's the same thing here at the Tetris story. And, um, it, it is just an interesting one of getting these rights and, you know, having to get it from Russia and how tough it is in Soviet Russia at that time period and communism you know, and just adding these characters in there. And I love how it's got, um, oh, what's his name from uh, Kingsman, um, Elton John, uh, Tarrant, Taron. Taron, I forgot his name. Terrence Malick. Taron Edgerton, right? Oh, right? Taron Taron Malick. Taron Edgerton. Taron Edgerton. Yeah. yeah, I think, yeah. And I always like that guy. Whenever he's in a movie, I'm always excited to see him there. And the fact that he plays the dude who's just kind of doing the business thing of like, I'm going to go in, going to buy the rights, kind of work it through. And it's a total business movie, but it's got such great kind of suspense going on throughout it and just kind of build up. I think they definitely turn it up like a lot more because there's a part like where you get the cool thing, too, is you have all the like for all like, you know, people who are in the video game history. And so it's like there's all like the classic guys like you got Minoru Arakawa there and Howard Lincoln of Nintendo America, which, you know, are like it, almost like the Steve Jobs and Steve Wozniak if, if Nintendo is your jam, you know. Um, so you got those guys there. But I remember they're like at the end, there's literally like a, a hardcore chasing. I'm like, I don't remember that in any of the history books. Like, when was this car chase? I'm hoping that's real. I'm really hoping that's real. I mean, I was watching it like that point. There's that part like in um, Pain and Gain where a movie stops for a second and says, still based on a true story. I was like wondering that right there. Like I, this, this feels like this could be a little like, I, I don't know if I'm, if I'm believing this, but regardless, it was a fun part of the movie. Yeah, I, I think that one just, let's turn this to 11 kind of a, a moment. But, it could have been like, a, there, there's like a car that was kind of, they think they may have been following them. It took a few corners fast, you know. <laughs> but um, but yeah, it's just so fun to watch this business deal go back and forth. Because then you got kind of the shitty, shady company with like the the guys who, like his, the father who dresses like it's 1932 still. You know, <laughs> it looks like, looks like he works for the Penguin. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> You know, and his like shitty college like son who's like, "Daddy, I'm taking over the business now. Let me do it." You yeah. know, 
and how um, Taryn's got to battle this guy the whole way through, you know, and get uh, Alexi, the guy who created Tetris, you know, on his side and sort of like do it right and make sure that everything turns out. And, you know, I just love the way it kind of goes. It's just a business story. It's a simple movie. Like it's one of those ones like it, it does have that kind of like sort of low budget. Well, I mean, if you're filming in Russia, you just got to find like, here's some buildings that are kind of gray and, you know, look like they came out of Gears of War. There we go. Is we can just shoot around here. Good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, but, um, but yeah, it's just such a good story. It's cool to see it. Like, as I said, I've only, it's only one of those ones that pops up in books all the time. You know, it's mostly always a chapter. If you go through any history of video games, there's always kind of a, a that's a major kind of pinnacle moment. And it's always a good story. I think that's one of those ones. It's not like, the one I'm sick of in video game stories is like when you get to the, they spend way too much time on the 1993 uh, trials with stupid fucking Al Gore and all that stuff going like, oh, video. It's like, I've heard this so many Pretty times. It's not that into shit. I, I, I could care less about lawsuits and stuff like that. Like, whatever. Um, you, you, that's like those ones you could sum that up in like two, like two pages and, and call it good. You don't need to spend two, you know, like chapters on it. But um, this story is always cool. And just the fact of what it is, like going against all the odds. And I love how there's so many people like Atari's trying to get it. Sega kind of tries to get, they don't really have the Sega part in this one too much. They mentioned Sega a couple times mm-hmm. because Sega kind of got really fucked over in this. And like the real story is because they got the rights or whatever like that. But then the rights because of how everything was, that's why they couldn't release the Sega Genesis one because they had the console rights. They made the Sega Genesis game and they only were able to release it when the Sega Genesis mini came out. That was the first time they were able to finally use that rights and the cartridge they built. I think they sold it like in China or Russia or somewhere, Taiwan. Like they could, they could get it like sold in like one other country. But like, mm-hmm. yeah, Sega put all the effort into getting that and they couldn't get it um, properly and so on. They got kind of undercut by Nintendo. But um yeah, it's just cool. Yeah, having the characters in there and everything like that. Great solid business movie. Like I said, the suspense is there. It captures that time period really well without ever feeling like anything's pandering or anything like that. It just feels le- legitimate like that, you know? Mm-hmm. And even there's like that scene you talked about before, like when you first saw it, but like when they go to, we got something to show you at Nintendo and then they pull it off and it's like, it's, it's a Game Boy. It's like the prototype and everything like that. This is going to change everything. You know, yeah. we're going to create Super Mario Land. Fuck Super Mario Land. You want Tetris straight out of Russia. Which, as a kid, I would have been like, if, if this movie came out when I was a kid, and like, no, we think that's something better than Mario Land. They're like, let's leave the theater. Fuck this. You know, because it's like, you don't got nothing better than Mario Land. What you got better than Mario Land is Mario Land 2. <laughs> you know, but like... What about Mario Land 3? Fuck Mario Land 3. <laughs> Fuck Wario. That's the point where I would have hated Wario because I was just like, anytime, I don't want to derail us too long because it's already over two hours, but anytime there's like a spinoff coming out, like of a character, I'd be a little bit of like, motherfucker, stay in your lane. As if like it was that character's idea, not the company's. Like, you know, we want to give Knuckles like a game. Like, whoa, 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 hold the fucking phone, hold the fucking phone. Next thing you know, because I was afraid, because I remember there was like a couple of toy brands where like the side character started to become the main character and the main character got shoved to the side. I'm like, that's not happened to Mario. That's not happened to Sonic. Knuckles, yeah. Wario, take a fucking seat. Now at the age, like, okay, they're just being experimental. I'm fine with that. Yeah. But the age, like, I've seen this before. I've seen this with Stretch Armstrong. You're not going to fucking do this with Mario, okay? So... <laughs> Yes. Anyway, totally. yeah. I can appreciate Warrior nowadays, but when I was a kid, Warrior was the enemy. Exactly. That's how I feel. I, I just fought this fucker in like the last game. Why the fuck am I playing? Is some fuck this guy. But now I have a lot of appreciation for that character. But yeah, yeah. 
but yeah, but uh, no, that Tetris one, as, as I said, I think it's a pretty solid movie all around. Like, I, there's nothing I could complain about. I thought it was good. I, everything about it, I really enjoyed. Um, and yeah, it's just, it's just that good story, and it's kind of cool just to see it play on out, you know. Uh, because it's always something that's interesting when you get business movies. You're like, because that's kind of a hard script to tackle. It's like, okay, how are we going to always make this interesting? Let's be honest. For two hours, you got to keep up the, you know, the hype and everything when you just got a bunch of guys, in a sense, running documents back and forth at the end of the day. Like, that's that's, that's literally what they're doing. If a business movie that can keep the tension going and keep the character motivation and study interesting, I always got credit for that. Like, because I, I hate Steve Jobs. I fucking hate Steve Jobs. But the, um, um, not the Ashton Kutcher one, but the Michael Fassbender, Steve Jobs movie is really oh, good. Yeah. And that's just a movie of him being an asshole in meetings and like press press junkets for like two hours. And like somehow that's a very enjoyable, well-written, well-paced movie, you know? Yeah. It's, and it's, it's like it's an artsy movie because it's just like three sections of him releasing. It's like three three of his like speeches. Like that's all it is. Yeah. And if you can do a good job of like a business movie based on a true story, then I give that movie credit, you know? Yeah, and uh, yeah, that Tetris one, I feel like it just delivers on all fronts on that one there, and it's just a cool pocket history for any video game fan. And and I also like to because it, it does have the super happy ending, like it's and it is real. Where literally, I can't remember the dude's name is, but the guy that um, um, Taron Edgerton's character, it's like he literally brings Alexi over and his whole family and goes, "Here we go, we're in California now, we're everything's fucking awesome," and we own the Tetris company. And from this point on, we're just going to make tons of money and they're still doing it to this day. Yeah. That's also one of those things. Cause you always hear about like the shady business guy who fucks him over and assuming that's all true. Assuming this, that's the, what you just said is how it happened. I'm glad to hear that. Cause so often you hear about the guy who fucks him over and they're even like, here comes this American trying to take advantage of our work. He's like, no, no, no. I want to share the money with you. Yeah, I, I, all that stuff from the books is all generally in there because I remember watching the whole time. Like, okay, I remember that part and that. The, the car scene's the only one that I remember. That. Like, I'm like, I remember that hardcore car chase in there. Like, I, I want to know what that where that was, but it still makes it for it fun and everything like that. Just to, you know, have those guys in there. But um, but yeah, Tetris worth watching. I wish it wasn't landlocked to Apple. I feel like whenever anything kind of gets landlocked to Apple, it's like it's great for you know for everybody who's all in on the Apple juice. It's it's great, but. I feel for everybody else. It's like, okay, they, they really have to go out of their way to like get this stuff. It's not like it's just easy to like go around and, you know, get that Apple content. No, I get you. I was, I'll be honest. I think at first I was like, really Apple TV, but I'll be honest. Apple has a lot of good shows on there, but at the same time, I get what you mean. It is kind of like, uh, cause you don't think Apple is being the big one, but you don't think of it as a Netflix, but no, but that, that movie was really good. So um, that very well could have been on my list somewhere. So, Okay, so I guess we're at your number one now. We're at my number one. My number one is a movie called Saltburn. That's a. I thought that was a TV show this whole time. No, no, it's a movie. I, I, I see it advertised, and I thought I, I literally could have sworn I thought that was a TV show. It, it didn't look like it was for me. I did. I kind of saw a quick trailer they tried to play. I was like, eh, that doesn't look like that's for me, but. Well, it might be. I don't know. I'm not sure. I'll say this: it's one of these movies where. <clears throat> How do I put it? A lot of times we'll make a joke, like we'll make like, especially earlier in the, in the podcast, earlier in the podcast lives, we make a joke like, is that where he just starts jerking off in the background? <laughs> yes, that's this movie does that. This movie challenges that joke, you know, like, dude, I give this movie so much credit if he just started doing this shit right halfway through. The movie does that. 
it, it does that multiple times and <laughs> finds a way to still be very artsy and very like interesting so it's basically the, the closest thing i can um think of to like compare this to is something like it, it, it's, it's not this because it, it will first off in Bruges is one of my favorite movies, but it's kind of like a Martin McDonough movie to a certain extent where uh. a lot of dark comedy, a lot of like just tragedy. It's basically mixing tragedy and comedy and darkest subject matter possible. And then just trying to like have twists and turns and have it be kind of funny. It's a little bit more psychological thriller than say something like in Bruges or um, the um, um, Banshees of Inchiran. Mm -hmm. But it definitely is a comedy in some ways. And they talk so fast. So basically what the movie's about is um, there's this guy who, um, Barry Kogian. Uh, it it mm -hmm. doesn't have the chick from Die Another Day in it, the bad girl. She might be in it. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. She's the in it. Yeah, she, girl, she, yeah. She's in it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Barry Kogian, the AKA, I mean, he wasn't, they try to hide. They, they, you don't see him that much. The new, the newest Joker along with um he was the thief in the green knight he oh he was he was bring back to martin mcdonough he was the guy who killed himself who was a little like shyster and um banshees of Inchirin. oh okay yeah, yeah, that yeah. Guy. and he was also the guy who mind controlled people and um eternals um okay okay yeah <clears throat> so he is a guy going to i think oxford or some very fancy <laughs> poshy um college in uh, london and doesn't really fit in and there's all the kids that come from old money old they're like so sirs and lords and all that and he starts to become friends with one of them and then he gets invited over and it's kind of like oh look at the poor boy but you know we'll, we'll treat him like he's a member of the family and as things go on, things start to go a little weird. And you kind of like, if I talk too much about it, I feel like I'm, I'm like spoiling things. Cause there'd be mm -hmm. moments where you're just kind of like, why is this character doing this? You're just watching the movie and you're like, wait, wait, well, why is he doing that? Or why is she doing that? And you're just like, what the fuck? You know? So you're kind of like, cause you think you know something about a character then something's revealed and you're like, why is this happening? And then you kind of get to like, and you kind of parse together like, okay, well, this person's a little off or that person's a little crazy or whatever. And then you get to a certain point of the movie and you realize this is what this movie's been the whole time. This is what this movie's fucking been. You think you're watching this kind of movie over here? Mm -hmm. Then it's revealed. No, no. You, when you were a little suspicious of it might be this, it's totally that. It because you, the movie totally like you realize, oh, it's been this genre the whole time. Yeah. And it has a lot of like dark humor. Like for instance, there's a part like, like when he walks in, walks into a room and he meets the family for the first time. And the lady from Die Another Day says, Oh my God, you're gorgeous. You're so beautiful. And he's just like, I told you he was, mother. He's like, But you're so nice. You can't be trusted, you know? And then like something to the lines of like, there's like um some lady who's like hanging around the house. It's like a friend of the family and they like talk shit about her whenever she's not there. And then eventually she's like, Oh, she killed herself. But some people will do anything for attention. You know? <laughs> so it's kind of like a lot of that kind of humor. Like they'll say things really fast and very rapid mm -hmm. and you kind of need to almost rewind it 
this is almost a movie that might be, I wouldn't mind seeing this in theaters, but this is almost a movie that like what they're at with the British accents and how fast they talk and how quick jokes go by. It almost helps with subtitles and rewinding it for a minute. And then well, I don't think um, it went to theaters though. Cause I think it was, it's an Amazon. I movie, saw isn't it? It, I, it, it did, but um, I, cause I saw oh, okay. a poster for it in like when I was visiting in Sonora. Oh, maybe, it, maybe, it, oh, maybe it did come. I, I don't, I can't, even, I don't remember the trip. I just remember seeing it pop up on Amazon, like, and I literally thought it was a TV show, like, this whole time. I just thought, like, oh, new series. Okay, whatever. Yeah. And there's, there's a part where, um, I don't say who and when, but there's a part where someone literally starts fucking a pile of dirt. So I'm just going <laughs> to say that. And, and it's, it's kind of like, it's kind of a tragic thing. It's meant to be kind of sad, but I'm like, God, you're going all out. They're going all out. Is he? He's they're going the full fucking distance. Holy shit. You know, so it's one of those things where I'm not just saying because the cringe, not because when I say cringe, I mean, the and like that, like, yeah, the it's I'm not saying it just because of the shock value. I think this is a very well done movie. I was hooked the whole time. I was laughing a lot and I was even kind of like caught off guard and kind of like shocked by a lot of the things that happened in the movie. So uh, that's why that's my number one. Interesting. I, I'm definitely that, that makes me more excited. As I said, I did. I knew nothing about it. I never saw the trailer for some reason. I'm hoping I'm not blowing out a portion because it's at some point you can kind of parse together. Oh, is this what's going to happen? Because they're, they're kind of vague with the clues they leave out. And then once it happens, you're like, I mean, that could be a coincidence. And then you watch it like, no. No, no, something's going on. And then when they reveal how, like, oh, that was clever. That was clever. Yeah, yeah. As I said, that, that, that one sounds like an interesting one. As I said, I think I was just confused. Is, we also live in this time period, too, where, like, it's confusing to know what the hell anything is anymore. Like, you know, you don't know what's a TV show, what's a movie, what's an ad, <laughs> what, what's, what's a movie again. Like, you know, it's like one of those ones where, like, so many things, you know, what's a sports program? Like, is that a movie or a sports program? I don't know anymore. Is it an audio drama or a children's book? Yeah. Is it just going to be a guy clapping in front of the camera? I'm not too sure. Um, but could be a shadow box. Yeah. You never know. Yeah. Shadow puppets even. <laughs> but um, going into my number one, this is one of those ones like I picked this one here and it sounds kind of like a weird one to have as a number one because probably there's other movies that are probably better than it. But this was the movie I had the most fun with. And a lot of times at the end of the day, I think the number one factor for any movie that kind of makes it like superior is the fun factor that is the one that if the movie if i have a really good time in the movie and i can watch the movie a lot more often i hate to sort of say it but that will outweigh a lot of other things you know what i mean maybe at the end of the day if you're you know comparing it for other reasons but if you're just going like which one you're going to have the most amount of enjoyment out of well this is the one that i thought was really good and this was the retirement plan with nicholas cage oh i wanted to see that you told me about this one yeah, and this was one of those ones. This is one of the first movies that came out in theaters. It was only it was like a brisk ninety five minutes or something like that, not two hours and forty five minutes. It was like one of the first ones to be like, no, we don't need to be long, you know. It had just, you know, kind of you know maybe a classic sort of like action storyline, but not in a bad way. Like it had, okay, Nicolas Cage was this old retired kind of assassin guy that kind of left sort of his family, and then the family that was you know his daughter and her new husband, and they had a kid they start getting into some kind of stuff, some shady dealings and so on like that. So they're like, well, the only thing we can do with our kid to make him safe is we can send him to my, you know, my dad who I haven't seen in 10 or 15 years or something like that. 
So they send him out there and he's like in the Bahamas or somewhere on an island kind of thing, just living like a drunk and everything out there, Nicolas Cage style, long hair, beard, all that stuff. And then she goes down there, so they kind of have that funny relationship thing going on. But he's the best best person to kind of protect her. And then, then you got um oh god, what's his name? The the guy who plays Rorschach. I always like that guy a lot. Oh, Jackie O'Haley. Jackie O'Haley. He's in it as the main villain and just the oh, kind of the gangster good. guy. <coughs> who knows? Okay, because this I forgot. There was this. It's been a while since I seen the movie, but they give the little girl has this USB drive that they never explain what's on it. But it's just it's got important stuff that Jackie mm-hmm. O'Haley needs. Don't need to explain it. That's okay. Totally fine. And uh, so he sends Ron Perlman out there to go get her back. And Ron Perlman's just this big old kind of galook, like right hand man guy who just kind of just just comedy throughout. Huh? Stacked cast. Yeah, dude. The the cast is great. Carol Haley. Yeah, you know Nicolas Cage. Like everybody in it's great, and it's just that mixed match of like great action, super funny you know good moments all around and so on like that and even though it might have like that kind of like father daughter like oh are they gonna they, they, they kind of make it up real quick it's not like well, was, well look, fuck you dad you're never there they, they might say it like a couple times but then it like really fixes itself and just keeps carrying on you know and um yeah the whole way through there's just funny stuff throughout it and ron perlman he gets the daughter at one point and so he's pretty much just holding her sort of hostage but he's like that kind of guy who's like, well, you know, I might have to kill you at some point, but we're, we're going to make it fun. If you, if you do things right, we'll have a good on time. We'll like, I'll take you out places. We'll get pizza. Everybody likes pizza, you know? <laughs> <laughs> you, you, and so, but, but then he's still kind of there. So it's like it has this cool just mic-match of these characters interacting throughout the whole time. And then, like, yeah, when you see Nicolas Cage kicking ass, like – he, he, you know, he, he resorts back to all his like assassin training from back in the day. And that's the reason why he was out of the family, you know, is because mm-hmm. he was doing that. So it's one of those kind of things. But um, no, it's the one I'd like as I said, I thought it was just overall great action, great, you know, replayability, you know, good comedy throughout and a bunch of characters just really chewing up scenery the whole time that I felt like it just made for a really, really fun movie. And goes to show once again, that Nicolas Cage and like his kind of surrounding movies he just kills it still. Like, it's just one of those ones. I feel like he's just been on such a good role that like, he's got so many movies that come out that I always feel like I need to catch up on all of them. Cause you know, there's just so much stuff that looks cool, but like, this is one of those ones I was really impressed with. With the exception of this year, there's been like the last two or three years where Nicholas Cage had like a movie high ranking for me, like a, one of the weirder kind of artsier films where it's just yeah. Nick Cage, Nick caging it up, but like in a very like, in, a, in, a, in an artsy kind of way. Um, this movie is not one that I saw. I wanted to see it. It just got by me. But it sounds like maybe if I did see it, this would probably be my Nick Cage movie of the year. Not saying I could really have one Nick Cage movie of the year. Otherwise, my list will explode. It will lose all, like, it will lose all structure, you know. Um, but, like, I just felt like it, slowly there's been those couple of movies that always like oh here's that here's that here's that um okay here's him where he has a bit part in this movie like oh nick cage you know but then here's this other movie where it's just like it's a nick cage vehicle of some kind and it's really mm-hmm. showing why why he's so good at what he does like that movie um i mentioned earlier a dream scenario that's a movie that i wanted to see and that's a big nick cage flick and that's like a nick cage horror comedy kind of so mm-hmm. i was like really curious about that but um yeah yeah um yeah maybe uh maybe hopefully these films will come over here sooner than later be playing more than three screens or something yeah 
Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's still one of those ones like for the longest time this year was one of those ones where I was like, God, this is the strangest year. It's like most of the time there's so many movies competing for each other's like rank and roll. And this one was like one of those ones where I was just like, oh, we'll just kind of see how that kind of goes. And at the end of the day, there's still always good movies. It's not saying anything of that, but it was one of those ones where the the choices were kind of interesting and so on like that. And do you have any extra movies that you're kind of like, ah, this would have been like 11 or 12, you know, or anything like that? Like, um, without no real set list, uh, like Tetris, Barbie, Oppenheimer. Um, uh, God, there's some other ones that I saw that were good that I'm drawing a blank on. Um, yeah, I would say there, there's three movies that I sort of had that like almost made it into my list. And I just kind of mm-hmm. left them there at the bottom just as, you know, they're, they're pretty close. And one was Eli Roth's Thanksgiving. That was a really <laughs> solid horror movie. It's one of those movies that came out. I feel like it, it needed to sort of come out once again post Grindhouse, but yeah. 15 years later, a little bit too late, and that's not a problem. It still was good. It still was classic. I felt like it's one of the best Eli Roth ones he's done in a good while. Um, had good kills throughout, and it still had that fun, funny feel there. And then um, another one I threw on there was Dream Big, which was a, a documentary. And I always feel documentaries always seem kind of like it's weird to some sort of documentary mixed in with that. Like I always feel like it's so different of like a genre it's almost like if you're through tv mixed in there it's like now you're starting into a different realm but it was a cool documentary made just about like 60s and 70s santa monica gold's gym bodybuilding scenes and all that stuff so it went through the whole history of kind of gold's gym and all that down there and it had kind of neat like a bunch of a bunch of good interviews the weird thing was it felt like it was made by like it was almost like a high production high school movie is what it felt like Felt like if there was some kid who was really in the bodybuilding and like literally high school and he got his like multimedia class together and somehow some way got all these old bodybuilders to come talk on camera. Like because it felt like it had like these experimental shots and so on, like and kind of amateurish kind of look. But the material was all good. It threw in kind of some neat animation and stuff in there, too. And I mean, just for me, I like I, I just love that era so much, that 60s, 70s, all the classic bodybuilders and all that kind of stuff. So that one was a real close one there. And then one more I had is actually Aquaman 2. I was really impressed with that. I didn't get a chance to see that one yet, but uh, so that one was really fun. I, I, I liked it quite. As I said, that was one of those ones. It was close to making it on my list. I was actually, I probably liked it just as much as the first Aquaman. Um, and the first Aquaman I thought was one of the best of all, like the, between both Marvel and DC. I liked that one a lot. This one kind of still carries it. Good action. One of my favorite things about this Aquaman 2 is that it kept the it, it always was traveling and going somewhere, just kind of like how the first one was. You never got stuck in one area for like 45 minutes. No, no. They were always on to the next place. So it had a great adventure aspect to it, you know. And even though it was just sort of kind of reusing characters without really introducing anything new, it worked. It, it was one, I, that was the only thing I thought was going to be kind of weird. I'm like, don't get me wrong. Black Manta is probably one of the coolest villains around. But it's like you're using Black Manta again. You're using uh, Aquaman's brother again. But it, it somehow kind of all worked out. There's a part where, you know, you use a mirror again. And there's a part where Black Manta even comes out where he's like, oh, Johnny Depp's got me something to say to you. <laughs> just, and he just beams the fuck out of her. He doesn't Does say he Johnny Depp. No, he, I thought he was going to. I really thought was. I thought they were like, oh, shit, they're just going to kill her off right here. I thought they were just going to ride her out of it somehow, yeah. Cause, yeah, because he just, like, super beams her, like, extremely hard. And then she's pretty much out of the movie till the very end. Oh, okay. <laughs> but it's just all I pictured is Black Manta being like, I got a friend named Johnny Depp who's got a problem that needs to be, like, relinquished. Just the laser, just like a pair of like, just like a pelvis and pair of legs just drop down. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, it's like one of those ones where, uh, yeah, you got to check it out. I, I will say like, 
of all the superhero movies in the year, it was definitely my favorite. Okay. Um, that that yeah. might raise it up too hard where I just like put it up like to compete with your kind of list, but I liked it a lot. I, I thought it was one of those ones. It's, it's, it's kind of like that weird lost genre movie because it's like, here's Aquaman 2 and where it fits in life, well, nobody knows, but it, here it is, you know. Is it going to continue in that next wave? Eh. Is it going to be the old wave? Eh. It's just here. It's on its own. Don't worry. I feel like my list le- like sways back and forth between like very like weird artsy kind of big epic drama stuff to like mario brothers and <laughs> guardians of the galaxy <laughs> stuff that's like big biggest ips in the world to killers of the flower moon and Saltburn. burn you know so i feel like my list just bounces back and forth between that and where your list had very little it had like didn't really have any superhero stuff on there so yeah. no I, I oddly didn't it's weird because it's like i, I kind of was like I, it's weird i think it's the first year i've never had a dcu animated movie on there i almost put the mortal Kombat movie on there the johnny cage one that came out that was pretty solid too i liked it a lot and i felt like well maybe this will be my dcu one i'll just put the mortal Kombat animated one on there instead but uh it, it just ended up not making it I thought of a movie. Um, another one that could have probably been my honorable mention. So maybe like you know, like I said, Barbie, Open, no, Real Order, Barbie, Oppenheimer, Tetris. Um, um, I think it's called Still. It's it's the uh, Michael J. Fox documentary. Um, so I could have maybe had that on there. But mm-hmm. I had more of a longer list of. There's a lot more movies I wanted to see. Maybe if I saw like American Fiction or something like that, or Dream Scenario, maybe more of my list would have got pushed down. But you know, yeah. Well, I mean, a, you, yeah. you, you can never see them all. Yeah. As I say, when I sort of flipped through the list of the movies, there wasn't anything catching my eye that I was like, "Oh, I gotta see that." I gotta see that. I felt like I got to a point where I'm like, "Eh, I think my list is solid." There'll, there'll always be that one movie that you just you just never found, and that's okay. Mm-hmm. That's like even the whole point of sharing our list together is like we find some new movies that we like each one of us missed ourselves. So it adds up for a much wider list to have, but um, but yeah, it's actually oddly enough as I thought. I thought 2023, like I remember, like it was like at like the six month mark. I remember kind of looking at you on the podcast, being like, "Dude, I don't know, I don't know about this year." Like, if it was any other year, I'm not too sure if some of these movies would kind of uh, even they would they would be like in that top twenty part, but maybe not top ten. And then as it kind of went along, it's you know, I, I will say I do I do think it's probably one of the weaker years comparatively. If we had a look in like the last 10 years of doing this or so, I would almost say this one's got to be probably low on the totem pole. I'm happy with my list of the movies I saw. I would have liked to see more. I think I've just, it's more the lack of movies I saw this year, which is kind of why my list came out the way it did, which is not a bad list. I still liked all these films. But um, there's a minute like, well, I guess Flash is going on here because that's a movie I saw. So, but then I'm like, like, cause I, and, I, and I liked it more when I first saw it. The more I thought about it, I'm like, oh, maybe I don't. Maybe I was a little, uh, I mean, the first two yeah. thirds, is pretty, the first two parts acts the movie's fun. The third act really falls apart and has a nice little redeeming moment. But overall, I'm like, yeah, and uh, I don't think I really, yeah. So I, and it was, I really kind of like salvaged my list in the last like two months. Like when I, like when I came back to the States and visited, my, my parents have direct TV when I was staying there. Like, let's see, what do they have here? Ooh, these are a lot of movies I cannot see over there. Time to watch them now. So, like, yeah, with your family stuff, I just got to, I got to. Well, hold finish. on, hold on, hold on. I got to finish Jisoo. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, no. But I mean, overall, still, still a cool, still interesting movies. Go out and check them out, whichever ones you kind of forgot and didn't see. And 
I know I'll be doing the same. Ryan probably will as well. But uh, beyond all that good stuff, go to oldmanorange.com for more podcasts, comp books, music, movies, all that fun stuff that we have on there from yield days. And until then, I'm Spencer Scott Holmes. And I'm Ryan Zonigan. And we'll see you some other time. Later, folks. <laughs>